Good morning. So Gabrielle asked if you were new here um, to Spirit Rock. I'm, I'm wondering how many of you are brand new to meditation. Raise your hand. Brand new to meditation. And then how many of you have been practicing meditation in some form um, but have not done a day long like this? You're new to this format. Okay. Great. So that's that's what I expect on an introduction to Insight Meditation uh, Day Retreat. Um, so uh, I'm going to go into what we're going to do today, uh, the structure of the day, and say a little bit about what Insight Meditation is, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it. Uh, but first, I'd like you to uh, meet each other. Uh, to take a moment just to see who is here. Uh, We come to these day events and um, we come to uh, cultivate our own minds and relax our bodies, uh, open our hearts a little bit. So there's a lot of interwork that happens. But we're doing it within a community. We're doing it uh, within this group. And so this group really matters as far as how we're going to move through this day, even though much of today will be in silence. So I'd like you to get a feel of your new community here and help you get settled in it. So the first thing I'd like you to do is just turn to the people closest to you, the ones you don't know, and introduce yourself. Say your name, maybe where you're from. It's okay if you're not near someone, you can stand up and move. And if you're just walking in, we're just introducing ourselves to our neighbors. Okay. A lot of nice people surrounding you right now. So then the next thing I'd like you to do is close your eyes. And think about what you would like uh, to come out of this day. What your intention is for being here. It could be something very simple, like learning meditation. It could be something like to have more ease, to relax. Maybe there's something specific that you're working through right now in your life and you're hoping that this will um, bring some clarity to that situation. And then I'd like you to, with your eyes still closed, think about the people that you just met, all these people sitting around you here.
and bring to mind something you wish for them. You don't know them yet. So it might be something very general, but heartfelt. Wishing them ease for the day. Wishing them a feeling of safety to be here. Wishing them clarity. Happiness. Well-being. Whatever pops in your mind. And then as you are wishing your neighbor well, take a moment to realize that your neighbors are wishing you well as well. Notice what that feels like. Here you are in a community of people that you don't know yet. But we're all here for a common purpose that's actually really wholesome. And that we're all here wishing each other well for the day. See if your body can relax a little bit in knowing that. Feeling the safety of this place. And then I'd like you to open your eyes again and turn to one person that you just met and share with them what you were wishing uh, the community. So you can go ahead and turn towards one person and share that, that one thing. Or maybe there were multiple things you were wishing for the community. Now that you've met your neighbors and wished them well, I'd like to um, just share with you a little bit about today. So this isn't a big mystery of of what we're doing here. Um, We'll be practicing insight meditation, uh, sometimes called Vipassana meditation. Um, Vipassana is the Pali word, uh, which is often the language referred to um, because it's a language close to what the Buddha um, used and was the language that when the Buddha's uh, teachings were finally recorded hundreds of years after his death, um, that was the language they were recorded in. So Vipassana means insight meditation. And insight meditation is believed to be uh, the form of meditation, the form of practice that goes back to the time of the Buddha. 
And although it's used um, or taught in different styles and different ways in all the different traditions in Buddhism, um, it is a foundational practice in all the different uh, lineages uh, in Buddhism. So the way that I'll be teaching you uh, here stems back to styles practiced in Thailand, uh, styles practiced in Burma, and somewhat in Sri Lanka. So it's just nice to have some of that information. Mindfulness is a word that we hear a lot uh, in, in our culture these days, well, for some time now. And this is very much a mindfulness practice. Um, the mi- secular mindfulness practices that are out there are very much rooted historically in uh, the Vipassana insight uh, practice. So if you're familiar with mindfulness practice, you'll be familiar with insight practice. The purpose of insight practice is to closely attend with our attention to whatever is arising in our experience. This could be body sensation, it could be something in the senses, uh, it might be something in the mind, types of thoughts, moods, moods, emotions, whatever is arising in the human experience. We pay attention to it. And it's through paying attention to it, through this uh, lineage of teaching, that we find uh, a clarity starts to form, an understanding around um, how our mind works, how our mind and our body are connected. When we are... Uh, more clear about how the mind works, we start to understand ourselves a lot better. And not only that, we start to understand the human condition a lot better. Insight meditation is referring to, ultimately, uh, these classical insights that arise by attending to our experience in this way that bring us closer to Uh, knowing the truth of how things really are, the truth of impermanence, the truth and better understanding of what the self or what uh, isn't self, uh, and the truth around suffering, the reasons why we suffer, the reasons why we find ourselves um, in these cycles of stress, of unsatisfactoriness in our life. And it's through these understandings that we start to uh, free ourselves. We start to learn how to um, remedy uh, this uh, cycle of suffering um, or discontent within us. And it's from there that real happiness arises. And that's really what I think we're hoping for. Uh, lack of suffering sounds really good. Um, uh, ultimate happiness sounds really, really good. <laughs> and that's usually what brings people here. So that's, that's the trajectory of uh, this practice. And it's important to know that because as we're paying attention to something so simple as the breath 
or a body sensation or to sound or to what we're seeing, uh, you might at some point wonder, why am I doing this? Why is this so important to attend to something like the breath, something so simple in my experience? What is ultimately going to happen from this? And so um, you can get a sense of that uh, as you go through the day that this is moving towards something that's actually quite profound. And my guess is that if you follow the schedule of today and follow the instructions of the day, um, that you will get a taste of what I'm talking about right now. So today we'll alternate from sitting practice to movement practice. Uh, the movement practice will primarily be a walking practice. I'll be giving a lot of guided instructions because this is um, so new to many of you. And um, at some point in the day, I'll also be talking more about some of the Buddhist philosophies that underlie um, these practices. So we'll come back to some of what I just talked about in terms of the insight practice we'll be starting with the body. Uh, we want to start by grounding our attention in the body, which for some of you, you might be working with that particular practice for the whole day. We spend a lot of time up here, or maybe way up here, uh, with our consciousness, with our attention. Uh, we lose track of, of our body. And it's actually really important and essential for this practice to become embodied again. Uh, so we'll start there and then move into breath. Um, there's nothing inherently um, sacred about the breath. Uh, this practice doesn't have to be about breathing. But it is a constant body sensation that changes uh, that's easy to track for most. But as we're going through this, and you find, if you find the breath is not very accessible for a variety of reasons, sometimes if we're just so stressed, um, or if you have a history of trauma, uh, then accessing the breath in a comfortable way may not be um, uh, available to you. And just to know if that is an experience that you're having, there's a lot of different ways to approach this practice, and it doesn't have to include the breath. And I'll give a lot of different options. And so through the day, if you find there's just something you can't attend to right now, you know, you're not ready for it yet, then trust yourself. Uh, that's good intuition. There's nothing here that needs to be forced. This practice is one that... Um, should be done in a manner that is relaxed and easeful to the best of your ability. You will experience a busy mind. You will experience some body discomfort today. Um, but overall, come, approaching those experiences with some ease uh, is really important. And so if you're finding anything really disruptive or overwhelming to attend to, don't go there. It's not necessary. And then if you're needing extra support, there'll be times during the day where um, you and I can, can have a quick check-in and I can support you through that. I think the majority of you, though, will be able to follow uh, through, through the instructions, and that's great, too. Okay.
let's start with a sit. Um, we want to start with the posture, actually. So everybody's in a chair. Oh, there's some people in the back sitting in cushions. If you want to come forward, there's actually a bunch of cushions up front. But no one has to sit on a cushion. Um, some people find the cushion really nice in terms of grounding. Um, others, though, find that the body doesn't like that, <laughs> doesn't like to sit on the floor. Um, and that's just fine. You don't have to um, choose a posture now and expect to stay in it for the rest of the day. So if you're finding you're on the floor now and later in the day you really need a chair because your knees are hurting or something like that, then move. If you're in a chair and um, you're not comfortable and you want to come to the floor, you can do that too. There's lots of extra cushions. Um, we can always bring out more. If at some point you feel that you need to stand, maybe you're feeling really tired, um, maybe uh, your body is just needing to get out of the seated posture, you're welcome to do the practice standing. And you can do that um, by standing behind a chair uh, in case you need to hold on to something for balance. You can go up against a wall if that's helpful. You can occupy the space behind us, whatever works best for you. The idea here is to find a posture, though, that best supports you. Um, so one way that we want to support you is your physical body, that you're not in some unnecessary uh, discomfort because of the posture. So if you have bad knees or something like that, bad back, making sure that you are supporting those areas by um, sitting properly. Um, if you're sitting on the floor, you can see how I have, this is um, one style of, of, of sitting with your um, uh, ankles and uh, heels almost in alignment. Um, and what that often does is allow for the knees to come a little bit closer to the floor for some. Uh, if the knees just won't go to the floor, you might put something underneath to support them at some point. You can do that now or later uh, in the day. The idea sitting in this posture is to have three points of contact to support uh, your, your back. And this keeps you more steady as well. And then I see uh, one of you sitting like this. This is also an option, is to take the cushion and to put it between the legs and to sit on it like this. And this sometimes is more um, easeful to the knees uh, and legs here. If you're experiencing a lot of, um, uh, let's see, um, trouble with circulation and your feet start falling asleep. Sometimes this is a better way to sit. So that's sitting on the floor. If you're sitting in a chair, it's important that your feet are on the ground. And if they don't quite reach, then putting a cushion underneath your feet is really helpful. I see some of you have done that. That's great. Um, the other thing you can do is just come forward in the chair if you're not relying on, on the backrest. Sitting up tall really helps. 
You want to sit up tall but be relaxed. So imagine your spine is holding the body and then allow the muscles to relax around, uh, around the bones. If you find yourself getting really sleepy, because we will have our eyes closed, and that is such a signal from the body, feeling like, you know, it's time for bed, it's time for a nap, something like that. Um, uh, then straightening up the posture uh, can really help. Also, opening the eyes at any time is fine. And what you do is just have them, have your eyes gazing downward so that uh, you're not taking a, a lot of visual stimulus. But it lets the light in and helps the body realize that this isn't nap time, this is meditation time. <laughs> the afternoons often is a really sleepy time, so I'll remind you of that later too. Okay. So we'll we'll sit. Um, we'll see how this goes for something like twenty five thirty minutes. I'm going to track the room a little bit and see how everyone is. Um, the object of this uh, meditation will be to get grounded, to bring your attention down into the body, to feel the posture, and allow that to be. Um, your anchor for your attention, something for your attention to land on and to stay with. We'll also bring in the breath um, after a period of time with this meditation. And the breath then can become the anchor, the, the object in which your attention can, can stay steady with as best you can. Now the mind is going to wander, and when you notice that it wanders... Um, that moment of noticing your presence again. You know? So there's no need to get hard on yourself for a wandering mind, a busy mind. It's what our minds do. It's just doing its job, essentially. It's just it's been doing this particular job for a long time without uh, any regulation. <laughs> so it's just been free to think in whatever direction it wants without much guidance. And so now you're trying to guide it and have it stay present on something like the body sitting here or the breath. And it's not necessarily going to enjoy that at first. Um, So it's going to go in many different directions. And you notice it and you bring it back. And you might have to bring it back uh, 30 times, 40 times within a sit The being gone part doesn't matter. What's great is that you catch it and you bring it back. It's in that um, uh, intentional uh, movement of the mind, of the attention, that starts to uh, rewire this habit of just having the mind go wherever it wants. We are training the mind to come back and to stay steady on something. And so every time you do that has an impact. It might not feel that way all the time. It might just feel like overwhelming. I can't do this. My mind is so busy. But take heart that every time you bring your attention back, uh, that it, it has an impact on the mind. 
It's giving the signal of, oh, this is another option. And it's strengthening that option to stay with something in the present moment. Okay? The last thing I want to say about this practice, and maybe you're already getting a sense of this, is that the attitude in which we do it with really matters. If we do it with um, an attitude or a mood in the mind that is just really frustrated and tight and um, really determined to just do this right and be perfect at it, then we just get more contracted. The body gets contracted. uh, The mind gets contracted. um, It becomes really unpleasant, unnecessarily. If we do this with an attitude that is kind and gentle, that's patient with itself, uh, that is curious of what is really going on in there, that makes a huge difference. It signals to the mind and to the body that we can relax in this. Even with a busy, busy mind or a body that is feeling discomfort, that we can relax around the edges of that experience. We may not be in full control of the mind or the body, but we can bring in this intention to relax around um, any discomfort that might arise mentally or physically. So I'm going to remind you of all these things as we go through the meditation and throughout the day. And um, if what I'm saying isn't quite clear in this moment, because we haven't done anything yet, (laughs) it will be, I hope, it will be as we are actually going through these practices together. Okay. So let's start with um, making sure the body feels like It's in a comfortable enough posture and a posture that feels alert. You can allow the eyes to close. And start with a few deeper breaths. As you breathe in, feeling the rib cage expand, the stomach muscles expand out. And as you breathe out, relax. Take a couple of these deep breaths. As you breathe in, noticing any areas in the body that are a little bit tense or holding more than they need to. And as you breathe out, see if you can relax these areas in the body.
And then when you're ready, let the breath be easy and natural, not needing to control it, just letting the body breathe on its own. And bring your attention down into the body, onto the sensations where the body is making contact with the chair or the cushion or the floor. Feel the heaviness of the body here. And as you bring your attention down, you might notice uh, different areas of tightness, say in the stomach, you might, uh, as you bring this attention awareness uh, more towards this area, let it release. Noticing any tension in the pelvis or the legs, even the feet. Let them relax down into the chair or the cushion or floor. Feel your attention becoming more and more anchored on these sensations of sitting here. So some of you might already be experiencing what it's like to have more presence in the body. And this feeling of presence in the body might feel grounded and full. Maybe a sense of settling. The body settles and the mind settles like one of those snow globes that's been shook up and then watching slowly all the bits of snow come to the bottom. There can be an experience of that as we bring our attention down into the body and establish our mindfulness on these sensations in this way. Sometimes doing this highlights the opposite. You might be noticing less groundedness and presence and more of a restlessness, a busy mind, a body that just wants to move. It's okay. 
Take your time settling in. There's really no rush here. Depending on our life circumstances, our morning before we got here, our travel time, the mind can be pretty shaken up. And it can take a while for that settling down into the body to happen. Keep bringing your attention to the sensations of sitting here. Notice if you are settled, but the mind is looking for more. We're not used to the simplicity of just being with the body sitting here. It can be a challenge for the mind to stay still and be satisfied with just being here. Sometimes just being interested in that dynamic of the mind can help it settle a little bit more. Help it relax. There's nothing to do but be with the sensations of sitting here.
So if you are enjoying this settling process and you want to stay with it, please do. There's no need to move forward if this is really working for you and you're enjoying it. Or if you're having difficulty with it and you want to keep trying, keep bringing your attention to these sensations, inclining the mind and body to relax and settle. Sometimes at this point in the meditation, it can be helpful to bring in uh, more sensation, more to track. And so if you'd like to now include the breath sensations, uh, you can. There are a number of ways of paying attention to the breath. For now, just noticing the breath as this very natural rhythm of movement and sensation inside the body. See if your attention can rest on these sensations of movement. Following the breath as you breathe in, feeling that expansion. If there's tightness in the breath, you might feel some contraction as well. Just noticing what's there. And then following the sensations as you breathe out. And there's that relaxation of the muscles. Sometimes when we're really new to meditation, it's hard to pay attention to the breath and not control it, not control uh, the, the breathing. And that's also okay. The idea here is to breathe without manipulating the breath. And instead being an observer of the sensations that let you know that you are breathing. But that might be a little awkward in the beginning. So my recommendation is to just keep trying, keep relaxing. At some point it clicks. There's a trust that the body knows how to breathe without your control. And the mind can relax into just observing and knowing that you're breathing. You can notice not just the sensations that go with breathing, but also 
kind of the collective information that comes from those sensations, which could be knowing when you're breathing in deeply or more shallow, knowing when the breath is subtle or more full. Knowing when a breath is long or short. Sometimes also noticing the temperature of the breath. Cool going in, warm going out. Being curious about all these different sensations. And then if you are experiencing a really busy mind and it just won't stay with anything for longer than one breath, a tactic that is um, often helpful is to do something called noting, which essentially is purposely thinking about what you're experiencing in the present. And we do this by, in our mind, just noting when you're breathing in and when you're breathing out. And so as you breathe in, in the mind, you can think, breathing in. And as you breathe out, in your mind, you can think, breathing out. It allows the mind to think, which is what it's wanting to do, but it's very directed and pointing to what's being experienced in the present moment. The mind will wander. It's okay. The moment you notice it, you're present again. And from there, you can choose to bring your attention back to the sensations of sitting here, back to the sensations of breathing.
Notice if there's any extra tension coming into the body as you're trying to do this practice. Relax the face, the shoulders. Notice your posture, if it's hunched over or if it's upright. See if there's a way to bring a kind, gentle mood towards the breath and the sensations of sitting here. Not needing to be hyper-judgmental of how you're doing, whether you're doing it right or wrong. It's all extra, not necessary right now. Keep bringing your attention back to these sensations of sitting here and breathing. Doing so with curiosity. Observing what does it feel like to be a human being right now in this body. Or with the breath, having some sense of the preciousness of the breath, that it is what lets you know that you're alive. Breathing and attending each breath as if it were your last. Not to add more contraction, but to increase the interest, the awe of the preciousness and simplicity of being here in this moment.
So in a moment, I'm going to ring the bell. And see if you can stay with the body and the breath, even after I ring it and your eyes open and we start to transition into more practice. See if through the day you can stay connected with this experience or at least the intention to stay embodied, grounded, settled, connected. So staying connected with yourself, you're welcome to move the body, stretch it in any way that feels good to you. We're going to uh, transition into some walking practice. Um, But before we do, just to normalize experience, how many of you experienced a busy mind during that sit. Okay, so look around. You're not alone. How many of you uh, experienced some body discomfort, either restlessness or some other discomfort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we think about, um, or maybe it's just the way that meditation has been advertised uh, and popularized. There's this image of deep serenity and painlessness. (laughs) And um, it can be that, certainly. Um, But it can also be the opposite of that. And just to know that in terms of uh, insight meditation, mindfulness, um, it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. Uh, this practice, we are paying attention to the human experience and that excludes nothing. So it includes knowing uh, a body that is restless or a mind that is restless. It includes knowing, uh, you know, what the thought patterns are, um, the emotions that are arising, the resistance that might be there internally, um, it includes body aches and pains. Uh, it excludes nothing. So it also includes, though, the feeling of resilience with these experiences. It includes um, relaxation and real joy and um, happiness while being connected to yourself. Uh, so however that practice was for you, just know that whether it was pleasant or unpleasant, um, that part doesn't matter so much in terms of whether or not you're doing it well or doing it right. Um, that what we're doing here is getting in touch with what's going on in the moment. My guess is that however it was, 
is a reflection of how the mind and the body are doing in your day-to-day outside of meditation. You come here, you get quiet, there's no other distractions. You're getting to really see what's going on in there. It's not the meditation that's stirring it up. It's just the meditation is shining a light on what's really happening here. And the more we can be attuned to ourselves and how we're doing, the more we can adjust, the more we can attend to what's needed, the more we can uh, bring more soothing and gentleness uh, and relaxation to ourselves. So, um, well done. <laughs> we are... Um, We'll do some uh, walking now. How many of you have done walking meditation practice? Oh, that's great. Okay. So for some of you, this is new, and some this will be um, just a reminder of how this works. Um, I'd like you to stand up and do so as mindfully as you can. We'll be doing walking practice uh, with different focuses today. Uh, This first walking practice, you'll stay focused on body sensation and grounding as well as the breath. Um, So the instructions as far as what you're practicing with won't change that much. Your posture has changed though, so where you're grounding in the body will be different most likely. So... um, Instead of there being more focus like on the, on the butt and the thighs, it's going to be down at your feet. So as you're standing here right now, bring your attention to the sensation of your feet on the ground. And it's okay to move your toes a little bit. Sometimes if you're not feeling grounded, even just bending at the knees and adding some weight to your feet like this and then standing up allows for your attention to land a little more fully there. Okay. And then um, before going into full walking, we'll just practice uh, shifting weight from side to side, which is part of the sensation you'll be paying attention to as you walk. Just what it feels like uh, to have that sensation moving. So when we're sitting, it's a little more static. When we add movement, of course, um, there's more of a fluidity, more like the breath, with what we're paying attention to. So walking practice can be very enjoyable for a mind that's really busy because it has that uh, movement to attend to. And then depending on where you are, some of you have some room in front of you, some of you not so much, so just do the best you can, or if you want to spread out and go to the back, that's fine. But I'd like you to practice taking a step forward and feeling that shift in sensation. Notice how it feels in one foot as opposed to the other. There'll be a heaviness and a lightness. And then you'll take another step. And these are the sensations you'll be attending to. 
And then if you want to either take another one forward or take some steps backwards, depending on where you are right now, staying connected to that sensation. And as you do this forward and backward, or if you're able to just go forward, um, you might include that noting practice. So instead of breathing in, breathing out, you can use lifting, moving, placing. Lifting, moving, placing. And if that's too much to remember, it's just lifting and placing. Or whatever it is that helps you stay present with what you're experiencing. It might be right, left, right, left. The words aren't as important as the attending to the sensations. Okay. And then find a standing posture that's comfortable. And now bring attention to the breath. So the feeling will actually be a bit different from when you were sitting, just because of your posture change. But the instructions are the same to pay attention to the fullness of breath and to that rhythm of breath without purposely uh, controlling it in any way. You might notice standing that it's a little bit deeper or fuller or maybe it's more shallow. Maybe it's harder to take a relaxed breath. Sometimes when I'm doing the walking practice and I am finding it easier to attend to the breath than to my feet, or it just feels more relaxing or engaging, I'll use the rhythm of my walking to breathe. And I find that my my breath almost really naturally starts to align with my steps. Breathing in, breathing out. And so that's something you might try as you're doing your walking. What I'd like you to do is to go out. Um, If you don't want to be outside, you're welcome to stay in the building. I believe we're the only people here today. Usually there's multiple events. I think we're it. So you can occupy the foyer out here. Um, You you might want to get some fresh air, though, and some sunshine. (coughs) And um, you can be anywhere below the upper gate. Excuse me. So you can go um, on the patio out front. You can go out into the meadow that's across the bridge here. You can use the parking lot, wherever you'd like to be. We're going to be out there um, for about 20 minutes or so, and um, it helps to have a path to walk on, and you can create your own path. It doesn't have to be something that's already there, but a path of about 10 to 12 steps in one direction, and then stop, and then turn around, and then take another 10, 12 steps in the other direction, stop, 
and mindfully turn around. And the reason we walk in this way um, is to help bring the attention more inward as opposed to just going for a walk, which is really nice, and there might be time for that later today. Um, This is different, though. Instead of being out there to attend to the scenery and all that's here, we're wanting to continue to bring our attention inward and to continue to ground our attention in our body and in our breath. So 10, 12 steps one way, 10, 12 the other. Be aware of other people that might be in your path. It might mean that you just need to shift over a little bit um, or find a different area if it's crowded. Um, Notice if there's um, uh, some, um, I don't know, ownership of a pathway that comes into your mind. (laughs) It's funny how quickly we can take ownership of something that really isn't ours. (laughs) And um, if you do notice that, that you're really set on walking in a certain place and someone else is crossing your path, um, to see maybe the humor in that and and make your adjustments that um, really there's lots of room here to walk and... um, Yeah, having conflict with each other's walking spaces is just not necessary. Let this be enjoyable. If the mind is just busy, 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 stop. And then, and attend, sometimes attending outward for a moment, for a breath or two. (sighs) Settling yourself and then bringing your attention back inward and then continuing back and forth with the feet or the breath, whatever is feeling most predominant or most Uh, easily attended to. Some of you might be able to do both, but that might be too much for others. So whichever one is most comfortable. Any questions about this before you head out? Okay. It's pretty simple, but um, I hope you enjoy it. There'll be a bell. Let me see. Is there a volunteer in the room right now? Great. Um, If you would ring a bell at... um, Let's do 11.30. That would be great. And so at the 11.30 bell, come back inside. Okay, thank you. And if you're having difficulties and want to check in with me, this is a good time to come up and we can talk.
And maybe if you're the last one in, you can just shut that, shut the door. Many people coming back. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, I hope that was enjoyable and if not at least um, interesting <laughs> on some level to not um, uh, to just take a, some time to see what's going on with the mind. What does the mind and the heart do when it's given these very simple tasks of being? You know, does it settle? Does it love it? Some of us just love it. <laughs> we just, oh, I don't have to talk to people. You know, I can go inward. I can be in my body. It's like coming home. And for others of us, it's the opposite. <laughs> it feels very strange or boring. Um, or it triggers our self-judgment uh, pretty easily. So... Um, just know that either way you're in good company. And um, if you are experiencing that, that judgmental peace, um, how you hold that, just like everything uh, that we're talking about, how you hold that is really the key. You know, as you see the judgmental mind come through, um, to catch yourself so that you aren't judgmental of your judgmental mind. That judgmental mind is uh, just a habit. It's something you've learned. It's probably something you learned from someone else as you were growing up or um, whatever. Uh, it's, it's something that your mind just easily can go towards, right? Uh, you don't control it. If you could choose you wouldn't be judgmental <laughs> about whatever. Um, but it's just what the mind is tending to. Um, how you hold it makes all the difference. When you see the judgmental mind, instead of getting hard on yourself, uh, you know, that can really fuel a lot of self-hatred when we get hard on ourselves for the way our mind is operating, its habits, which just fuels more in that direction. Instead, feeding it with humor, curiosity, and kindness. This is the antidote to that very judgmental mind. Uh, so seeing, wow, just being wowed by uh, what comes through. That is ridiculous. <laughs> wow, it's so neurotic. That's amazing. Not so personal. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just coming through. It's not personal. Um, being curious about it. What is it that triggers this judgmental mind? You know, oh, it's this expectation that I would be better at this than I think I am. <laughs> or that my mind would be stiller. Uh, or that I'd have more energy this morning, or whatever it is. And then being kind and gentle towards it. 
You know, if your friend came to you, your best friend or your loved one came to you and was expressing the same thing, my mind is just, I'm just so hard on myself or I'm so caught up in what I think should be happening and how this should be going. You wouldn't say, yeah, you're right. (laughs) You would say, oh, you know, I, I totally get that. I know how that is. It's okay. It's not true. You're fine. You know, you're just fine. Everything's fine. It's okay. You would, you would show compassion and kindness. It's so hard sometimes, though, to do that for ourselves. So it can be part of this practice that we're doing today, is coming at it with humor. It's not personal. Um, to come at it with this interest, curiosity. Wow, that's what's happening. Whoa, that's amazing. My mind is just doing this right now. And kindness, that gentleness. I remember when I first started practicing, I um, was living on the peninsula and um, my boyfriend at the time was given a book by someone. I forget what the book was. It was one of those, the spiritual something like The Power of Now or something like that. And on the inside cover was an address, a name and an address of a meditation center uh, um, called the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City. And we lived nearby and decided we'd check it out. Actually, he really wanted to check it out. He was really getting into all of this. And I want, wanted to go with him because I was afraid that it was a cult. <laughs> so I had no reference for this kind of thing in my life. And so I, I thought, you know, I better go like a, like a protector. <laughs> So we went to this intro evening. Um, it was about an hour long, introducing new people to the practice. And um, I was pretty critical and feeling like, you know, I had all my guards up and ready to spot the Kool-Aid whenever they were going to bring that out. And um, we started with the breath and counting the breaths. You know, so with each uh, in-breath and out-breath, you'd say one in your mind and then two, three, and see how far you would go. And the instruction was when you lost track of the counting or it became rote and you weren't actually connecting the counting with the sensations, you would come back to one. And um, I thought, you know, I came in pretty confident that, you know, okay, whatever, I'm pretty sure I can, I could do that. And was really surprised when I wouldn't make it past, you know, seven, five, four. (laughs) I just was living at one (laughs) for this sitting that seemed like it was an eternity. Looking back on it, it was probably 10 minutes. And what what came out of that, I was really lucky. It wasn't, oh, this is, I'm just horrible at this. I'm, you know, my mind is junk. (laughs) Everyone else is doing this better than me. You know, the judgmental mind. Um, what saved me was the opposite. My reaction was, whoa, I have no control over my mind. That is incredible information. I was just blown away. I totally drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I was in. <laughs> Boyfriend, not so much. I was totally sold. It just explained so much of my... 
unhappiness, my searching, my longing for something that was missing. Um, Yeah, just being unsatisfied generally with how life was going. Um, And suddenly it just made so much sense without really knowing what it meant, but that I just didn't have control over my mind. We don't have control over our mind and we haven't been taught how to even recognize that. And so this practice is that. (laughs) It's helping us, one, recognize that we don't have control over our mind, that a mind that's not attended to can lead to a lot of unhappiness, a lot of these habitual ways of reactivity, of unconsciousness in our actions and in our words and in our thoughts. Um, that, that, that brings us into these cycles of unhappiness. And um, so we get to see that, but then we start to see the way through it. We start to see how to start untangling this mind, how to start bringing some health to it, some balance to it, how to re-inhabit ourselves, come back into these bodies, get to know it, get to really understand our humanness, which then allows us to much better understand the humanness of everybody. Compassion begins to uh, take hold. Uh, Wisdom, because we are understanding so much more, begins to take hold. But it starts with this, wow, this is actually what's going on? Oh my God. (laughs) So that is where we are right now. It's just, wow, this is what's happening in the mind. And I want us to, so we've, we've brought attention to specific body sensations. I want to open it up to more because like I said, this practice really excludes nothing. Right now we're just slowly building what we're able to focus on. We won't exhaust the list today either. There'll be many things we won't touch upon that we could bring our attention to. Um, So these are really just kind of the foundational blocks of this practice that we're doing today. But I want to open it up a little bit more to include more of the senses, our sense experience. What we are paying attention to, how we're understanding this humanness, it's what's coming through the senses. So right now, you have information coming through uh, your eyes as sight. You have information coming through as sound through the ears, smell through the nose, um, then there's the, the body sensation um, through the skin and also just internally uh, what you're experiencing. Uh, let's see, am I forgetting any of those? I don't think so. Taste, yeah, taste. We'll get more into that with lunchtime. Um, but yeah, that's another place we take in information and we process it and understand our world. Uh, And then in Buddhism, we also include the mind. So mental formation, um, starting to see and track, not just thoughts, but thoughts can be part of it, Um, but uh, more um, uh, ways in which our our mind is um, coming together. So 
Um, we'll get more into this in the afternoon. We're going to really look at the mind a lot closer as our object. But um, for now, just to know that that is also um, a sense uh, organ in the, in the Buddhist tradition. So for now, we're going to open it up to these more traditional senses. Um, in particular, I want us to pay attention to sound and sight as well as continuing with the body sensations. And the way we do this is from the body. So instead of our attention going outward to meet these sensations in a way, um, so for example, with sight right now, it's easy to pick anything in this room and put your attention on that and lose track of the body. So right now, pick an object in the room and you might notice that that it's, it's a little, it's easy to put more attention on that than on the body, most likely. And see what it's like to shift that um, way of paying attention so that you can feel the body here, know that what you're seeing is coming through the eyes. And so in that way, allowing that sight to come to you as opposed to you going to it with your attention, so that your attention really is right here at the sense door of the eyes. Does that make sense? Do you feel that shift in, in presence when you do that, that it's coming this way? So same thing with the ears, that your um, attention is really at the sense door of the ears with sound. That you're not going out with your attention to the sound, but rather knowing that it's coming to you. Because in reality, that is what is actually happening. We have a bit of a distorted um, uh, relationship with the senses. If we're not conscious that that, in the moment, that is actually what's happening. And when we aren't aware of that, we lose track of the body and we become unembodied. And so allowing the sounds come to your ears um, all of this, doing all this without having to label in our mind what it is other than sound and sight. Not needing, the mind is going to categorize and do its um, cognitive process. You know, if I look at the back door, I know without having to think about it that that is a door. Um, but I don't need to fully engage in that. Um, I can just let the mind be doing that without getting more involved with it. A story about the door, whether or not I like the door, whether I'd prefer a different style of door, <laughs> whatever, whatever the mind does with its funny stuff. Memories of doors. Um, yeah. Uh, so instead, I'm just taking in the information of seeing. Seeing shapes and colors and knowing that I'm seeing, hearing, hearing sounds of all kinds that come and they go. And all I need to know is that I'm hearing sound, that it changes. I don't need to get involved in naming what the sound is or imagining what it is. Again, the mind will probably be doing that kind of processing, but let it be in the background. You don't need to feed it and get involved in it. So let's try that. It's just a little bit different probably than what 
you're used to doing with sound and sight. Uh, We'll start with our eyes closed. We'll bring sight in at the very end. Finding a posture that is comfortable for you right now. Supporting your energy level right now. It's going to change through the day. So staying attuned to that. Start with a few deeper breaths. I find those deeper breaths it helps not just relax and start that settling in process, but also marks the beginning of the meditation. So it helps align your intention to bring your awareness inward. And start to attend to the different sensations that are arising. When you're ready, let the breath be easy, natural. Bring your attention to the sensations of sitting here. That heaviness of the body making contact with the chair, the floor, the cushion. Grounding your attention downward. Settling, relaxing. Getting familiar with what it's like to fully inhabit the body with your attention. There's no rush. Take your time to settle in.
If you want to include the breath, that's helpful to help your mind become more steady and present. You can do that using the noting phrases if that's also helpful. Breathing in, breathing out. Mind will wander, no problem. The moment you notice that you are distracted or lost in some thinking, spacing out, the moment you notice it, you're mindful again. So then gently bring your attention back to body sitting here, back to the breath.
I'd like you to bring your attention to sound. Knowing that you're hearing. Knowing that the sound is coming uh, to you through the ears. So there's a sense of the body sitting here. That embodiment is still present. But you've included awareness of sound. No need to get into storytelling around what you're hearing. I don't suggest labeling specific sounds, but as a sound arises, you can note hearing. Hearing. You can notice the coming and going of sounds, the arising into your consciousness and then notice when it goes away. For those of you who struggle with the breath for any reason, this can be a a nice practice to do instead of focusing on the breath. It allows for there to be that embodiment, but it's less concentrated. It's a little more spacious. Just make sure as you're doing it, there's still this sense of the body sitting here. Okay, then staying connected with the body, I'd like you to slowly open your eyes.
and let your eyes move around the room. You can just take in whatever the eyes want to settle upon, or you can just keep scanning around the room. It's okay to move the head a little bit. As you're doing this, knowing that the sight is coming through the eyes, instead of getting wrapped up in the story of what you're seeing or the labeling of the specifics of what you're seeing, notice the light and shading and colors, shapes. Know that you're seeing. Notice if, as you're doing this, the attention becomes um, a bit light on your body, that you kind of lose track of the body. See if you can reground with your eyes open, letting that sight come to you. And then close your eyes again. And this time, I'd like you to put your attention wherever the sensations are um, most predominant as well as comfortable. So for now, if you have uh, a real pain, let's say, in the knees. Um, That will be the most predominant experience, but not the most easeful, likely. So then find something that is easeful and easy to pay attention to because the sensation is strong enough. So it might be the breath sensations of sitting here. It might be a sensation that is uncomfortable but not overwhelming. So if there's some tightness somewhere, let's say in the shoulders, and it's not uh, too uncomfortable or too overwhelming to keep the attention there, but the sensation is strong enough that you can really Uh, stay with it, then that's okay. Sound, especially as I'm talking, it's going to be pretty predominant. Know what you are attending to in the foreground of your awareness. Be curious about it. Notice if 
what's predominant in easeful changes. One minute it might be the breath, and then the next it might be sound. See what it's like to allow your attention to move. Because it's moving from object to object that is in the present moment, it's not distracted. Use the noting phrases if that's helpful.
And then I'm going to ring the bell in just a moment. And as I do, see if you can stay connected to the body, breath, sound, and then sight when you open your eyes. Go ahead and move whatever way feels good. Stretch a little bit. So we're approaching um, lunch. And we'll take um, an hour for lunch. And um, you know, you might even use that time to rest, go for a walk. It's a good chunk of time to do what you'd like. I do recommend staying in the silence. If you're here with someone um, and you want to talk, you might just go with each other um, somewhere uh, to do that quietly um, so it's not disrupting the container. Um, Otherwise, I do recommend staying more inward uh, if possible. We have some time for questions. And uh, I'm not sure if we ha- we have a mic. Oh, good. Um, let's see. Where is the volunteer? We have one volunteer in here. You would do. Great. Um, what's your name? Jennifer. Jennifer is going to help pass the mic around. And that just helps everybody here. If you'll just speak directly into it, that would be really helpful if you have any questions so far about the um oh great and we have another one remind me your name laura and laura great hi my name is grace hi grace yeah it is good lesson today thank mm. you by the way <laughs> uh, i just have one question and could you um teach us a simple way in their life to meditation meditate how to how a simple way in daily life yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean Essentially, that's we're building right now um, a set of instructions that you um, can take home to do daily practice. And I'll talk more about this at the end of the day, um, just how to set up a daily practice or how to find groups that are practicing together. If you find a lot of people find that helpful, um, and then in terms of um, uh, aspects of uh, integrating this into you know, going to work or being with your family or walking the dog or grocery shopping or whatever it is that you have to do. Um, I I will spend some time on that um, later this afternoon. Um, and uh, the 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 pith response <laughs> is that all of these techniques, you know, you can bring them out into the world with you. You are going everywhere with this body and all of its sensations. Um, so. It's really a matter of remembering to come back. In fact, um, the Pali word for mindfulness is sati. And sati directly translated into English is not mindfulness. It's uh, to remember. And that implies that um, the practice of mindfulness is remembering 
remembering to come back to uh, your, your human nature, to remember to check in and, and be present. Um, so I'll, I'll say more about that as we go through the day because it'll be easier for me to respond to that question once we've done all these different techniques that we'll do. Um, but I hope that's helpful for now. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Any other practices? Anything coming up you want to check in about? You're not sure um, how to attend to or wanting clarity around the instructions? Hi, my name is Linda. So I find that when I completely disembody is when I sit in front of a computer. Yeah. And so as we were practicing the gazing or the receiving, I'm curious what you may say to address that phenomena, which I'm pretty certain I'm not alone in that. Yep. (laughs) I see heads nodding. (laughs) I find that to be the hardest place for practice, too. And I think that's really common. There's something very absorbing in a screen where we just, we lose track of our body. And I think um, it's not helping us uh, as a full population <laughs> as far as our lack of embodiment the more we're, we're dependent on these screens to tell us how we are um, we're losing track of how we actually are and what's going on in the present moment um, so um, you can try using that technique of knowing that you're seeing and having the um, sight come to you and staying embodied that might be very challenging though um, in front of a screen if you're in front of a computer through the day having a a timer go off to remind you to breathe to um, re-ground is really really helpful that's something that that I do I know people who stick post-it notes on their desktop also that say something like breathe um, or ground and every time they see it, they do that. Um, so, so developing techniques to interrupt that habit is helpful with screens. I think also um, starting to limit screen time. We, um, I think we have to start looking if, if we're wanting to engage this practice in a way where it is fully helping us in our life. Um, there's aspects of life that we have to start looking at to see, is this really to my benefit? And um, it might be that screen time is one of those places to uh, look closely at. You know, where am I really just wasting my time? Where am I, uh, where could I cut that kind of engagement to engage inwardly or even to engage outwardly (laughs) with other people or with my life Um, the answer isn't so much how can I adapt the practice to meet the screen stuff the screen time but how do I adapt my screen time to support this this process this that um, is being supported by the practice now thanks for that question okay maybe in the back here thank you this has been wonderful Um, when I find that I've really stilled my mind 
it's like there's a very thin line between that and dropping into sleep. Uh-huh. I even when I'm sitting upright and I'm and I just found myself like swaying and suddenly catching myself and I'm yeah. wondering how you Yeah. It's a great question and it's one that I think two things might be happening. One is when you begin a practice like that like this, it's really common. Um the body just associates calm and eyes closed with sleep. And so it's a, it's, it takes some time for the body to get used to the difference of meditating and sleeping. So that's one thing. The other is a lot of us come here exhausted. And, um, what we're really needing is sleep. <laughs> so, um, I haven't said it on, on this day because, um, we're really going through very purposely a set of instructions so that you have this package to come away with of understanding. Um, but there's other day longs that I teach that are, uh, more, uh, engaging, um, the concentration practice or the heart practices, which we won't get into those so much today, where, um, there's a lot of permission to, to sleep actually, if that's um, what's needed, because sometimes that's what's needed. Um, Now, having a meditation practice can help get better sleep. Um, There's actually been a lot of studies around um, how um, this helps the the nervous system and the sleep cycles in some way, and I don't know the details of it, but um, that they can be a nice combination. But yeah, we probably just need more rest. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And if it is what you're experiencing um, and you're having a hard time in the meditations to stay awake, don't worry about it today. Keep going. Stay with it. Take in what you can. Um, all of this is being um, recorded, so you can go back and listen to it. But um, you're getting something. <laughs> Something's getting in there. And um, and you'll be able to take that, that home with you. And. Uh, practice with it, so don't worry too much. And I always say, when when you your neighbor is snoring, you can just wish them well, because they are really getting what they're needing. And so, if the knee jerk reaction is ah, you know, snoring, noise, disruption, see if you can shift that to oh, that's very sweet. I hope they are having pleasant dreams, <laughs> and wish them well. Yes. I am David. Hi, David. I have a question that you may again get to later on today, so mm-hmm. please say so. But sure. as I'm trying to ground myself and, and observe my monkey mind or whatever mm-hmm. else is going on, being distracted, can you maybe talk a little about who's observing? Who, who, who is that? <laughs> who's, who, who is the observer? Yeah. This is a question that often comes up. And you can get into almost like a house of mirrors with it. You know, who's observing the observer, observing the observer, observing the observer, and it can start getting confusing <laughs> and a bit disembodied. Um, but the real answer is, uh, it's a mystery. <laughs> and um, that there can be something really fun about that uh, when you touch into the mystery of how this all works. Uh, it is. It's very mysterious. Um, but there is a process happening. Um, and when you um, are, are tuning into, you know, who or what, what is doing the observing, 
what's more important isn't really the answer of that, but this the sense of self that might be there around, you know, I am the observer starts to um, lighten. It starts to become much less personal and a little more mysterious. And so that would actually be what I'd turn to, is that experience, as opposed to trying to figure out, you know, <laughs> where is this consciousness that we're playing with right now? Yeah. Okay, a lot of questions on this side. You guys are very quiet. <laughs> Anything over here? No. This side's got it all worked out. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, I have, um, since we have a little bit of time, I wanted to read you this poem by Donna Folds. Um, who's written a number of collections of um, poetry that I, I find really meets this practice. If you're interested in hers, her, her work, she's got a number of books. Um, this one is from One Soul, is the name of the book, and it's called Self-Observation Without Judgment. And she says, Release the harsh and pointed inner voice. It's just a throwback to the past and holds no truth about this moment. Let go of self-judgment, the old learned ways of beating yourself up for every imagined inaccuracy, inadequacy. (laughs) Allow the dialogue within the mind to grow friendlier and quiet. Shift out of inner criticism and life suddenly looks very different. I can say this only because I make the choice a hundred times a day to release the voice that refuses to acknowledge the real me. What's needed here isn't more prodding towards perfection, but intimacy, seeing clearly and embracing what I see. Love, not judgment, sows seeds of tranquility and change. And so in that light, I thought, since we have just a few minutes before um, we break for lunch and there don't there seems to be um, no more questions, I want to introduce something that's not exactly insight practice, but is in the tradition of um, uh, the insight lineage. And this is some compassion practice. So if you're working with that real judgmental mind, or maybe it's not judgment, maybe it's uh, anxiety, um, maybe you're working with some depression, sadness, grief, um, confusion, a lot of uncertainty in life right now, a lot of change happening in life right now, fear, uh, stress, I bet all of us can probably check one of those boxes. Um, I want to just offer a way to uh, fold in some heart practice to, so that we can really attend to what is arising, uh, even if it's just the breath, with more balance and ease. 
um, and compassion. So to do this, I want you to sit as comfortably as you can, or if you would like to, you can lay down. If you are someone going through a period of grief in particular, um, uh, I recommend laying down, taking the opportunity to lay down. If you're someone going through a lot of anxiety lately, laying down might be helpful. And we won't be there long. This is short, just because of the time we have. Let your eyes close. Feel your body being supported in this posture, being supported by the chair that you're sitting in, or the floor, the ground that you're on, or the cushion. Let your body become heavy and held, relaxed as best as you can. And then if you are experiencing any of these mental discomforts that I mentioned, um, even if it's not in this moment, but it's something that's definitely popping up in your life right now, see if you can locate in the body where you're holding this difficulty. It might be kind of in the heart, solar plexus area. It might be in the gut, down in the stomach. It might be in the shoulders and neck or the face, maybe the arms, the legs, hands, feet. Just see what, where it seems this difficulty is living for the most part. And I'd like you to take your hand and place your hand here. So if it's at your chest, you can just lay a hand there, feeling the weight of the hand. If it's in the face, you can you know, massage the muscles in the face, massage the arms and shoulders. And as you're doing this, the hands become uh, a mudra or a symbol of your care for the difficulty. You really do care about your struggle, your suffering, your stress. Feel the care that you have through your hand, through the weight of it resting on that particular area of the body. Breathe into that area deeply, taking long, full breaths the best you can. And as you're doing this, there's a sense of tenderness that can be present. As you turn towards the difficulty, the experience of difficulty, it's very vulnerable. And it requires not aversion or hatred for it, 
not a pushing away or wanting it to be different. That just exasperates the experience. What's really needed is tenderness, is care. Kind of care that recognizes and witnesses the difficult side of the human experience. And so as you breathe deeply into this area, it can be helpful to have a compassion phrase in the mind, much like noting, but with a different purpose, helping the mind to incline towards openness and compassion. It could be something like, I see my suffering, or I see my stress, my worry, my anxiety, my sadness, whatever the word is, I care about my suffering, or I care about this suffering. May I hold it with compassion, or may I hold it with love. Keep breathing deeply. The idea is that it doesn't necessarily make it all go away. but perhaps it allows you to stay with the experience without the feeling of overwhelm and without this extra cultivation of self-judgment or aversion towards this discomfort. And sometimes it does bring ease settling or a feeling of just letting go into this is what's happening right now. It might even bring in a feeling of okayness of what's here. The feeling of loss or confusion or anger that right now it's it's actually okay that it's present. Breathing deeply, resting. The mind might get really busy See if you can rest the mind where your hand is holding the hurt, the confusion. Let it rest on this deep breath, full breath. Mind can take a break from its figuring it out. Judgmental activity can rest. 
even if it's just for one breath. Okay, take a deeper breath in. Deep breath out. How about one more of those? Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Let your eyes open. And then if you're laying on the floor, you can sit up. So that's a taste of some compassion practice which can support our mindfulness practice when we're working with real difficulty in the mind and in the body um, to stay steady with it, to stay steady with what's arriving. We need, um, we need the heart engaged. We need some way to stay balanced with it. Uh, when the mind is all jumbled up or really agitated, to try and stay um, to try and figure out how to be with that agitated mind from the mind is just added agitation. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You can't figure it out from there. It has to come from somewhere else, somewhere wiser and uh, fuller, more compassionate. And so these compassion practices um, will aid uh, staying present with whatever it is that is arising. So I hope that was a helpful taste of that practice and you're welcome to use that through the day wherever it's helpful. Um, we're going to break for our lunch, which will be, it's 12.30, we'll come back at 1.30. Uh, I believe there'll be bells just before that um, that will remind you of that. You're welcome to um, eat anywhere below the, the gate here. Um, if you're needing a place to get food, there is a deli in Woodacre and the, uh, the manager, Gabrielle, can give you information about that. Again, staying in silence is a good idea today. Um, give yourself the gift of that today. You're welcome to explore the trails um, just to make sure you're keeping track of time. This afternoon, we're going to go more into the mind and into mind states uh, we'll continue with the body also. That'll be our grounding, our foundation. Um, but we'll be looking more at what's going on in the mind and how to work with it. Um, and at the very end of the day, I have another practice that can be used to work with really difficult mind states and um, body difficult body sensation. So we're kind of building to that. So 1.30, I'll see you back here. Enjoy your lunch.
Okay. So I hope you enjoyed your, your lunch and your time out on the land or taking a nap or whatever it was that you did to take care of yourself. I want to start this afternoon with more information about um, uh, the purpose of this practice. So at the time of the Buddha, um, actually before the Buddha was the Buddha, uh, it's said that he was a prince or... um, someone of um, kind of high society and lived a life that was very, very sheltered. Uh, In fact, so sheltered that he never went out the palace walls. And um, because of that, when he did finally leave and encountered... uh, just the array of the human experience and the inevitability of the impermanence of human experience, meaning he encountered sick people. He encountered um, people who were aging and dying and um, the whole array of what happens to us as, as we go through life. Um, all of this had been kept away from him in his uh, youth. And um, because of that, when he saw it, it was really impactful. Um, it was something that just hadn't occurred to him, apparently, that this was his destiny as well. And it was so ground-shaking that he left this life of luxury. He left all of it behind and um, became a um, wandering practitioner of many different modalities that were available at the time. And he did this because he saw that through the human experience, there was this undercurrent of suffering. And some of it seemed to be just inevitable. Um, What happens to these bodies as they age and decline in certain ways? Uh, the process of dying, uh, although that can happen in many different ways. Sometimes it's peaceful, sometimes it's not. And we don't choose what we get or what our loved ones get. Um, just the loss of all that we hold dear. Uh, there's the um, also just the, the mental um, and physical day-to-day um, uh, suffering that can happen or discomfort that can happen. And so there just seemed to be this, this current of suffering that became very aware, he became very aware of. And yet he wondered if there was some way to be released from some of this suffering. Like where was the suffering coming from? Why do we suffer? And this was the question, um, more or less, that he left with and wanted to find out for himself, how do I free myself from all of this suffering? Um, And what he found was that um, a lot of the suffering that we experience, and what we find as we go through this practice, a lot of the suffering that we experience is not because 
of the unpleasant experiences we encounter. And I'm using this word unpleasant to cover a whole array of human experience that would fall in that category. And we're not happy because we encounter just a bunch of pleasant experience. It was more about our relationship with this pleasant and unpleasant experiences, how we react or respond, how we um, are present with it or not, that that seemed to be tied in ultimately to how much we suffer. So this idea of awakening or freedom from suffering that we talk about ultimately in this practice um, in the Buddhist lineage doesn't mean that we are free from change. We, you know, don't become um, more in control of the world around us. Uh, It doesn't mean that our bodies won't go through its own change and discomfort and none of us get out of dying Um, but what it does allow for us to start looking at and and cultivating is our relationship with these things. Our relationship with unpleasant and pleasant. One way to look at this in terms of the suffering that's created is um, whether our mind is contracted or not. In the Buddhist tradition, we talk about the mind and the heart actually as being one thing. So we'll often talk about the heart-mind or the heart-and-mind and whether the heart-mind is contracted or not to whatever is arising in our experience. And we can apply that to everything then. So as we are going through our day here and we're noticing that something is coming up in our awareness and it's unpleasant. What's our relationship with it? Is it contracted? Do we not want it here? Do we hate it? Do we want to push it away? Even sometimes the subtlety of going into fix-it mode um, is a real aversion mode. This is These are contracted states. Or can there be a way of holding it that is more in relationship more um, available, I'll use the word allow, to allow for whatever is arising to be there um, in a healthy way. We have visitors, huh? (laughs) And then the same with pleasant. We do the same thing with pleasant. When the pleasant arises, are we able to just be there with it and really enjoy it? Or is our mind on to the next thing already? You know, when we're not just present and letting it be there for the time that it's going to be there, um, and we're, we have some agenda for the pleasant, we get contracted. Sometimes this contraction is called clinging or grasping. Uh, the mind and the heart contracts. We want to control it. Uh, we want more of it. We get greedy. I, um, I have a three-year-old son who is just about to start next week, uh, his first day of preschool. And the preschool we have him in had a, um, an ice cream social for all the parents to come. 
and uh, they're serving up the little ice cream cones for all the, the little ones. And I was in line for mine. And uh, the boy in front of me was eating one. <laughs> he was given a, a chocolate ice cream cone, and he's eating it. And if you have a toddler or had one or have ever seen one eat ice cream, it's not delicate. <laughs> it's more of just, you know, the mouth opens, and it just all goes towards the mouth at one time and it's just all over his face he's covered in chocolate and you can tell he's loving it but at the same time he's he's shoving this ice cream cone in his mouth he's got his hand reaching forward to the person who's scooping and says i want strawberry (laughs) and that is what we do (laughs) that is what we do with pleasant you know it's just never enough it's not satisfying this is not, it's never satisfying. And there's that contraction. So take it, you can do this with me. Take your hand and make a fist. And hold a light fist. It can be a light fist. But as you're holding it here, um, over time, it gets pretty heavy. And you can feel that there's a lot of energy going towards keeping that contraction, keeping that tightness. It also limits what you can do uh, with this hand when it's contracted like this. You'll start to feel it in your arm and then up in your shoulder, just more and more discomfort. It builds over time. And if you were to keep this for, let's say, the next 20 minutes, you'd probably be in a lot of discomfort, maybe even some pain. Okay, So now really make a fist really contract and feel just how much energy goes towards that and how unpleasant and um, how much you probably want to open your hand. (laughs) Okay? This is what we do in our heart and our mind when we aren't just with what's happening, when we are somehow um, at odds with the experience, whether it's subtle or really noticeable. Now release. Let your arm relax on your lap. Feel the difference. And even who we are in these moments of contraction, so limited. Our mind becomes very limited. Our heart becomes limited when it's in this state as opposed to this open, available, uh, clear state. So if we apply that to ourselves and our experience, we start to see what our relationship is with pleasant experience and unpleasant experience. This is a very different way of um, viewing our moment-to-moment. It's a very different way of viewing the mind and how it operates. So much so that we're really used to unpleasant and dislike as being the exact same thing. And I'm saying it's not. Or pleasant and liking something as being the exact same thing. But they're actually two different things. And um, one way that we can test this out is on something very mild. Like um, I was teaching for a while in a... um, in a meditation, it was a yoga studio in Alameda, uh, where I live, and it was right on a main road. And so 
as we were sitting there in, in meditation, you would hear throughout the meditation the whooshing of cars going by. And oftentimes I would get complaints from people who came who were new to the practice. They'd come to sit and they would hear this through their meditation and say, it's too distracting. I really hate that, um, that, that noise. I can't concentrate. It's just too disturbing. And we would talk about it a little bit and I'd put it into the context of unpleasant pleasant. That what if what you were hearing instead of hearing the noise, you know, experiencing unpleasant, instead of immediately attaching, oh, I hate this, I wish it would go away, or it shouldn't be there, this is a meditation place, it should be quiet. Um, Instead of attaching that extra piece to it, what if it was just a little unpleasant? And then stay with, it's just a little unpleasant. And notice if it changes without the reactivity to it. And oftentimes people would come back and say, I actually am finding it pleasant. The moment I stopped feeling it shouldn't be there, it reminded me of ocean waves and it actually became very pleasant in a way to keep my mind steady. Just having that constant noise actually made it easier. And so we can start to relate to our experiences in this way, and I want us to practice this pleasant, unpleasant, um, becoming more aware of that and becoming aware of how our mind is then responding to it. This, um, by the way, is the practice of Vedana. Vedana is the Pali word. It's translated in a variety of ways, but um, feeling tone is one of the ways it's translated into English, uh, which is kind of a strange way to describe it. It's not actually an emotion, a feeling like that, but um, it's more of a lens that we're taking information through. So the information comes through our sense doors, and then um, when we're conscious of it, goes through these particular lenses of pleasant or unpleasant. And it's unpleasant or pleasant depending on you and your experience and what you know you favor and don't favor. So a noise might be pleasant to you and it might be the same noise might be unpleasant to you. So it's not um, that they're true necessarily, but just a way in which we're we're um, viewing that experience depending on our background uh, and our history. And then from there comes this reactivity or non-reactivity. And it's in that space that we can make real change in our life. When we can catch that place of how we're relating to the Vedana, that's where we start to really change our, our mind state. So a couple more things about this and then we'll give it a try. Um, pleasant. When you're experiencing something pleasant, uh, it could just be pleasant. It doesn't have to be pleasant, I want more of this. It's okay if it's pleasant, I like this. You don't have to be a robot about it. You know, that'll be an automatic response. But just know that the two things aren't necessarily together. Um, that those are two things happening. So pleasant arise, I like it. 
um, you might notice uh, kind of a desire or a greediness coming in. I want more or I don't want this to go away. Ooh, this feels so good, breathing like this. If I just keep going exactly like this, I can just stay in pleasant, you know? Uh, When we do that, you'll notice the mind tightens just a little bit and that pleasant changes pretty quickly. That breath becomes tight and goes away. So the more we hold on and grasp onto pleasant, actually we change and we lose that, that pleasant. It doesn't mean that if we don't grasp on it, the pleasant will always stay. The pleasant will go. Because that is the nature of things. Pleasant will come and pleasant will go. Unpleasant, then noticing, I don't like this. Okay. Um, I don't like this. I don't want this here. It shouldn't be here. I hate this. Um, Be aware of that and notice that these are two different things. Unpleasant and I don't want this seeing if there's some way to redirect the attention so that you can be present with, yeah, this is unpleasant. Notice just how unpleasant is it really? Okay, I've got some knee pain. It is unpleasant. Uh, Well, what am I calling unpleasant? Well, it's this kind of ache right here at the joint. And it's spreading a little bit. And it's kind of warm. And it's there sometimes, and actually it's not there other times. So that's interesting. You know, and start getting curious about what is it that's so unpleasant that you can't be with it. A lot of the time you might find it's not quite as unpleasant as you think. Uh, Sometimes we experience something just a little unpleasant in the mind. All the alarm bells start going off and we make it worse than it actually is. And so that's just something to be aware of. Sometimes it just is really unpleasant. And so sometimes noticing if there's a way to relax into that or also to notice, is everything unpleasant? Is my entire human experience right now unpleasant? Or is there a mix of pleasant and unpleasant? And then... There's a neutral zone. So if this was on a spectrum and unpleasant's on one side, pleasant on the other, as you come closer to the middle, it starts to get really neutral. It's neither pleasant, really, or unpleasant. Most of our human experiences actually fit in this area, in the neutral zone. But it's so neutral, we don't really notice it. Uh, we're much more likely to notice the extremes, kind of the drama of life on either side. And we, are, we like that. We feed off of that, um, just out of our habit. But most of our life is somewhere in neutral, and we miss it, which means we're missing a lot of our life. We're not conscious for a lot of our life. So bringing more attention to the neutral pieces, and it might be a breath, is really neutral. Or just sitting and waiting is really neutral. Or listening to this talk right now is neutral. Uh, It might be going from a building to your car. It might be, um, you know, the moment you hit the button on the coffee machine in the morning. There's just lots of moments through the day that are just neutral. We just don't really think about it. 
But the more we can bring presence to that and consciousness to those moments, we bring more consciousness to our life. All these moments of unconsciousness leaves the door wide open for... um, you know, difficult mind states and thoughts, um, confusion, uh, delusion to kind of get in and set in. Um, one moment we're fine and the next we're in some kind of mood and we have no idea how we got there. Probably because we were in a neutral zone. <laughs> now we're in unpleasant. You know, we don't know how did I get from here to there because we're not tracking it. So neutral is really important. And neutral, when we start to pay attention, oftentimes that neutral is a little pleasant. These are moments that when it's attended to, what ends up being pleasant is just our attention. To be embodied, to be connected to ourself in the moment. You know, that feeling of emptiness that some, some people have, a lot of people have, or loneliness, um, some kind of longing for, for something in moments where it just feels a little purposeless. Attend to the neutral. And suddenly life becomes very full. Uh, there's a bounty there in the neutral that we're totally missing. So something to check out. So we'll practice with this now. We're going to do it using all the techniques that we've used so far with our breath and um, uh, grounding in the body to sound and any other sensations. But as experience is arising, and we'll also start bringing in mind and emotions, uh, thoughts and emotions, what I want you to do every now and then, and I'll cue you on this too, is to notice, is the experience pleasant, unpleasant, or is it somewhere in that neutral zone? And all you have to do is just notice that And most likely, just noticing that, you will start to see some patterns in your mind, how the mind is reacting. Is it reacting with with tightness or an openness? All right. Great. I'll give you a moment to set up. And while people are setting up, if you want to stand up and stretch, because I know after lunch... This is always the hardest part of the day, to stay alert. So you might just notice that if your energy level is low at this time of day, you might want to adjust your posture. So if you think at some point you'll want to stand up, for example, you might seat yourself near a wall or somewhere where you can do that. You can always have your eyes open if you get really tired. Again, we talked about that at the beginning. Um, and now you know how to work with visual. So as you're seeing, you just use it as, as another sense to pay attention to. don't have your eyes open you can give you can close them and start with some breaths that are a little bit deeper and you want to relax but it can also help to pay attention now more to the in breath 
So breathing in full. And as you breathe in, in this full way, notice the increase in energy. There can be just a a little uplift and energy maybe even um, brings a bit of clarity in the mind. And so you can take a few deeper breaths, but put more emphasis on the in-breath. As you breathe in, making sure your body is upright, alert, breathing out, letting the muscles relax around the structure of your bones. And when you're ready, Let your breath be natural and bring your attention to the sensations of sitting here. When sleepiness is a factor, it can sometimes be helpful to um, relate to the grounding practice in a way where instead of sinking into the ground or into the chair, this feeling of uplift coming from uh, the support of the chair or the the ground or the cushion, almost like a strength and stability coming upward into the body as opposed to a downward energy. Take your time to settle in. Notice in this moment, whatever you're attending to, is it pleasant or unpleasant or somewhere in the neutral area? Maybe it's just a little pleasant or a little unpleasant. You don't have to get overly involved in knowing the exact location of where you lie on the spectrum of Vedana. Just a sense of, yeah, this is pleasant. Or, hmm, 
Not so much. See if you can just be with the unpleasant, if it's there. Relaxing around the edges of it, if possible. Staying with it. Without contracting towards it the best you can. And pleasant, see if you can just fully be there with it, not needing anything else. Allowing it to be here and enjoy it while it's present, knowing it'll change. Neutral, staying there with it. Noticing if any boredom comes in around the neutral. Not enough drama. And instead, you stay close with those neutral experiences, seeing the value of what's here in this moment. Because this is the only moment you have. Don't miss it. Once you've noticed the Vedana, you don't have to hold it too tightly in your awareness. You can go back to paying more closely close attention to the body sitting here, to this settling in practice, grounding practice. And when you notice something new arising in your experience, whether it's a lot of thinking or even an emotion or a body sensation, that's strong and needing your attention. And you can bring this awareness of Vedana back. Allowing it to be seen as part of what's being experienced. A way to understand how you're experiencing each moment.
You're feeling settled and you want to bring in the breath or sound or some other body sensation that will support your attention to stay steady and open and relaxed. Go ahead and do that. And as you do so, moving your attention towards whatever the object is, take note of the Vedana. Pleasant, unpleasant, somewhere towards neutral. Notice if the heart and mind contract around it or if it can be open, spacious, relaxed. It's just unpleasant. It's just pleasant. It's just neutral.
Notice where your attention is right now. Notice if the mind and heart are contracted or open. If your mind was wandering or spacing out, lost, now it's present again. You can see what's most supportive for your attention. Body sensation, breathing, sound. Remember, you can always use the noting phrases if that helps your mind settle. And if you're experiencing a lot of sleepiness, spaciness, because of the time of day, that too can be included. You don't have to push that away. Noticing sleepy mind. Notice it in the body, sitting here. Notice the Vedana of it. You can make the adjustments that are available to alert yourself, wake yourself up a little more. And then at some point, it's just being with what's here. If you're experiencing extreme unpleasant and the reactivity is strong, remember that tender compassion practice. You can always bring that in to support yourself, to stay as present as possible, but also doing so in a balanced, gentle, tender way.
Again, in this moment, noticing pleasant, unpleasant, neutral of your experience. Noticing how you're relating to it. Is there some way to let go into this is what's happening? This too. One thing to notice if there's unpleasant is the restlessness that comes out of the fear of it never going away, that the unpleasant will just continue as it is in this moment forever or for longer than you can stand. See if you can notice that relationship, if it is true for you. Sometimes our unpleasant is chronic. But even with that continuance, it does change. It can change in severity, in micro sensations. And then a lot of our experience is not chronic. And it will change. And so notice this relationship in particular with unpleasant and the fear and restlessness that comes with the thought it might not go away. There's some way to relax that belief. Soothe that fear. And just be with it as it is in this moment. If you're experiencing a lot of pleasant, 
sometimes the default in the mind makes it hard to relax into pleasant because we're always looking for the unpleasant that's just around the corner as a defense mechanism. What is it like to relax that defense mechanism? Just fully be with the pleasant. It won't be permanent, but you may as well fully enjoy it while it's here. It might last for a long time. It might not. The idea is not to form any attachment or tightness in the mind around the pleasant and instead to be able to fully enjoy it, breathing it in to every cell in your body. And as you breathe out, relaxing into what's here. Letting your eyes open. We're going to do some more walking, um, but before we do, let's do some stretches together. Um, So if you're able, you can stand up and do these standing. If you'd prefer, though, um, or if it's just the limitation of of your body right now and you need to stay seated, that is also just fine. I'll do some adaptations for you. So to begin standing up, we just take some time stretching up 
towards the ceiling. Taking hold of one wrist with the one hand and pulling it up towards the ceiling and then over to your side. And then back, switching wrists, pulling up towards the ceiling and over. Bringing your arms back and around and taking hold in whatever way you can. So it might be clasped like this behind your back. You might be able to reach your uh, elbows and letting the arms come down, your shoulder blades down, your back stretching downwards. And then if it's you have the balance, you can look up at the ceiling to stretch the front of your neck and shoulder blades can go down a little bit further and coming back up and then swinging the arms up and back just coming up to uh, your shoulders and then letting them come down naturally behind you. I spent some time practicing in a monastery in Thailand and um, the head abbot who at the time was um, quite elderly was having um, some health issues and so wasn't doing a lot of the teaching but he came down one day and surprised us all and he said he would offer us the special secret teaching so we all perked up and we're excited. And he had us all stand up and do this. And he said, do this a hundred times a day and your meditation will feel better. (laughs) And he was right. Our shoulders felt better. (laughs) So this is the secret teaching. Let's see. And then if you stop and um, just be aware of your neighbors and let your arms swing to the side and let your torso move in opposite directions from the waist. Okay. And then comes to stillness, and we'll do a little bit of tapping. So if you take... Two fingers here and tap around the um, clavicle. And if you're using your right hand, then um, what's this? This is your sternum. Your sternum and the uh, right clavicle. Apparently this area is connected to the thymus gland. It can bring more alertness and energy into the body. I was told this is good when you're driving and you're tired. Do a little bit of this. And then take your hand and go to the opposite shoulder and tap it. Lots of kindness, but you can be, you know, pretty strong. (laughs) That feels good up the neck. And then put your arm out and come down 
the top of your arm and then flip your palm and come up the back side of your arm up to your shoulder and flip again and you'll do these circles. A couple more times. Okay, and then with two hands, and this you can do seated if you'd like, um, you'll start on the outside of your hip and then work your way down the side of your leg, bend at the knees, over the top of your foot, and then up the front of your leg. Oops, and we'll just do circles like this, bending at the knees, coming down. And if you're sitting in the chair, you just go down as far as you're able. Over the foot and up the front. This is good for your knees too, just to have that bending motion if you've been sitting cross-legged. Let's do one more. Okay, and then stop. You feel the difference? Should we balance you out? <laughs> okay, so then other side clavicle and sternum. And then open palm onto your shoulder, shoulder blade, neck. Kind of think of it as like a dog that, you know how they love that kind of like that. It feels feels good. I kind of get it. All that attention. It needs attention over here. Put your arm out. Come down. Top of your arm. Flip. Come up the back. We'll do one more. Okay, and then two hands, starting at the hip, moving your way down, over the foot, and up the front. Bend at the knees. We'll do one more. Okay. Take your hands up to your head, your forehead, your scalp. Give yourself a nice head massage. You could take thumbs too. What is this called? Just the space behind the eyes. Your earlobes. You can open the jaw. 
Good. So, you can do your walking practice now. We'll, um, I'd like you to continue the practice as it's been given so far. So, including pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Um, really opening up to the sense experienced now. So, not just the physical sensations of walking but um, in breath, but also using sight. Remember how to do that. Letting the sight the, um, come to your eyes and really keeping your attention here in the body. Same with hearing. Uh, enjoy it. Allow it to be enjoyable, but stay in the body. Don't get pulled too far outside of the body. And then notice that extra element of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. I won't be out there with you to remind you of that. So just every now and then, as something comes up into your awareness, note whether where it falls on that spectrum of Vedana and see how you're relating to it. See what kind of information that offers. So let's see. In terms of time, let's... Um, yeah... Let's come back at uh, 2.55. So we're a little over here. 2.55, so a bell will be rung at about 2.50. Okay. Enjoy. And if you need to check in with me one-on-one, I'll stay right here, and um, you're welcome to come up.
Thank you. <clears throat> okay. So we're going to go right into a sit. And this time, um, using Vedana again, our body as a foundation will bring some more attention to thoughts and emotions. I know you've been having thoughts, and I know you've been having emotions up until this moment, but it's strategic that we wait until we've kind of set the groundwork before going there, because um, oftentimes they're potent um, experiences that are easy to get lost in, and... um, lost in the sense that we we lose track of the body, we get wrapped up in what um, might be called a thought train um, that just uh, uh, continues on without a lot of awareness. So now we're going to purposely bring these aspects into our mindfulness practice. Um, And I hope that what it does is show that you know, thoughts, what's going on in the mind, uh, emotions, which we might affiliate more with mind activity, but you might notice now that it's more of a physical experience, that emotions are actually physical, and um, thoughts are more of the the mental um, experience, Um, that all of these are included. Again, nothing is excluded from this experience as we're paying attention to our humanness. And so thoughts are not the problem. (laughs) Thinking is not the problem. It's when we are lost in our thoughts, meaning we don't even know that that's the reality that we are believing. You know, that our thoughts actually don't have any um, tangible basis in the moment. They're, they're, um, you know, you can't point to it. It's not actually very real. It's just something that's arrived into your mind and um, has formed because of ideas and belief systems and your um, history, your memory, your imagination. Um, They're triggered and are fed by our emotions, our energy level, um, our moods, and so they're, they're actually not as real as we come to believe that they are. How many of you have had some thought come into your mind, let's say, um, about somebody else that you thought was so sure about them and then came to realize that you had just completely made that up? <laughs> okay. Simple example, but we do that kind of thing all the time. We put a lot of value to our thinking. Sometimes our thoughts are really important, and it's a good thing that we think. Um, It has a real purpose, but they're a little—it's a little out of control, right? Our our thought processes are a little out of control because we haven't learned to bring a lot of awareness to that process. So um, that's all to say, we don't have to exclude thinking. Thinking isn't the problem. It's just a matter whether or not we are aware that that is what we are doing in a particular moment as opposed to being sucked into um, 
that thought and being unconscious that that is actually what we are um, experiencing. So let's practice this. Finding uh, the posture that will support you now. Noticing your energy level. You might consider keeping your eyes open if that will support your attention. Okay. Starting with those deep breaths and bringing attention to those deep breaths in the way that supports you. So again, if, if you're needing more of that grounding relaxation, putting more emphasis on the out-breath with your attention. If you're feeling sleepy, um, then putting more emphasis on the in-breath. And as you breathe, noticing any areas of extra tension or holding that as you breathe out could be released. Might be muscles in the face, the neck and shoulders, the arms, the chest, stomach, back. Might be in the glutes or in the pelvis. It might be in the legs. When you're ready, letting the breath be easy and natural and bring your attention to the sensations of sitting here. So often I find practitioners rush to something like the breath. But it helps a lot for the mind to first have somewhere very stable to land. It also helps to really inhabit the body before moving on to other things, other sensations. Taking your time to settle into this meditation. There's nowhere you need to get to.
once you're feeling settled in the body, you, know, you can keep your attention on those sensations. And you can also bring your attention to something else if that's feeling more, um, if that's easier to stay steady with your attention. So the breath, sound, some other body sensation. Just observing, getting curious what's there. great meditation master uh, who used to live in Thailand. His name is, was Ajahn Chah. He talked about the mind or the experience in the mind and body like a watering hole. And we're there observing all the different creatures that come to take a drink in our experience. So sometimes it's just the breath that we're observing. And then a sound will enter into the experience and we can observe that, know that that's happening. And then it flies out. And then sometimes an emotion comes through And we can turn towards it the best we can. Sometimes it's a series of thoughts. So no matter what it is, the breath, emotions, sound, thought, we're attending to all of it pretty much in the same way. Knowing that it's there, that we're paying attention to it. Knowing the Vedana of the experience. Knowing when it arises and then knowing when it goes away. With our thoughts, if you're experiencing a lot of thinking, you can use the noting phrase, thinking, thinking. Our thoughts are usually pretty quick. Sometimes they line up in what I called earlier the thought train. There's just thought after thought after thought. But even still, the series of thoughts are quick. We could just see them as if we were sitting back observing that thought train in the distance, knowing that we're thinking, not needing to engage in it that much, but knowing that that activity, that mental activity is there. Every now and then a strong thought will come in 
and we can pay attention to it. Thinking. Thinking. Knowing if it's a thought that brings in a sense of pleasantness or unpleasantness. A lot of our thoughts are pretty neutral. Seeing how we react to the thought. Can we let it just come and go? Or is there some way that we tighten around it? Sometimes thoughts come through and we think, this is so important, I have to keep thinking it so I don't forget. I find really important thoughts come back later. We don't need to try and hang on to it. Let's let it come and go. You might even note, that was a good one. That seems important. But then let it then let it pass. In between thoughts, sometimes having an anchor on something like the breath or the body sitting here can be helpful, just so that you can stay embodied, not get lost in the ethers of your mind. See it from the perspective of what is it like to be this body thinking? Sometimes thoughts come in and go, but they leave the residue of emotion. Emotion can arise with a thought. It can even be hard to track where it came from because the thought came and went so quickly. You don't need to track where it came from. Rather, attend to what's here. So if it's a strong emotion, noticing if it's a pleasant or unpleasant one. Noticing where you feel it in the body. If it's a very intense emotion, sometimes bringing your attention straight into it is too much. I recommend finding the periphery of that emotion or the periphery of where you feel it in the body. See what it's like to bring your attention there. Holding it respectfully with your awareness. Maybe even bringing in some of that tender compassion practice if needed. Also notice more neutral emotions, more subtle 
Sometimes that really helps us when we are feeling kind of melancholy or disconnected in some way. Sometimes there's just a very subtle emotion there that when we finally see it for what it is, it starts to make sense. The experience starts to come together and make sense to us. Emotions are often elusive like thoughts. They change pretty rapidly. So sometimes just putting attention to an emotion and recognizing what it is, poof, the emotion goes away. Or it changes into something else. That's normal. You don't have to go looking for it or try to bring it back. Just let it go. Come back to the body sitting here, back to the breath. For now, with whatever is arising, thought, emotion, senses, body sensation, keep coming back to the lens of Vedana to better understand how you're relating to that experience. And if the instructions are starting to feel like too much or you're getting confused with so many options, just come back to grounding in the body. Come back to something simple.
In a moment, I'm going to ring the bell, but I don't want there to be a big disruption between this sit and your walk. Think of it as one long meditation, and all you're doing is changing your posture to support your energy level, get some movement, maybe bring in some more alertness, but that the practice stays the same. So then staying in the practice, stand up uh, as mindfully as you can and see what it's like to just seamlessly move into walking. It's a short walking. It'll just be 10 minutes to get some more alertness and energy. And then um, we'll come back in here at 3.30 at which point we're going to work with the more directly with more difficult experience and how to do that skillfully.
So now that you have this taste of working with more directly um, emotions and thoughts, um, how to navigate it using Vedana and how to use the body and sensations. Do you mind shutting those doors behind you as you come in? Thank you. Um, as, a, as a guide and a framework um, to stay in the present. I want to address um, more of how to work with these things when they are um, really difficult to stay with. And there's a number of different ways we could approach this, but um, I want to share with you a few techniques. There can be this idea coming into a practice like this that, uh, and we've and I've already um, mentioned this, but I'll say it again because I think it takes time and a, a bit of cultivation in this practice to really have this land that even when the practice isn't going well <laughs> or, quote, you know, not the way you want it to, um, it's still it's still working, that it's still um, uh, sometimes actually our biggest insights into how things are and how our mind works uh, are through the really challenging times. And we know that outside of practice. We know that from going through difficulty in our lives. It's, it's from those difficulties that we are shaped and um, that we often understand ourselves better. You know, when we just have a life of pleasant, um, we're not actually given the opportunity to see where are our edges? What do I really know? Where, where, you know, how do I respond when there's challenge? Uh, There's not a lot of room for growth. And so um, the same as when we are in our in this practice when we encounter real difficulty it's often through that difficulty and staying with the difficulty uh, with kindness with that tenderness that real transformation can arise uh, but it's counterintuitive you know we want so desperately for what comes after all the difficulty the release of that And we can get so fixated on needing that to be happening in order to have a fruitful practice that we miss sometimes just how important uh, and crucial the difficult parts are. Those bits are, are very valuable in a practice like this. It doesn't mean go looking for trouble in your mind (laughs) and in your heart, but when things arise that are a real challenge, um, that the practice is to stay with it, to stay present, to really wake up, pay attention, because this is important. But in order to stay with the difficult, with the suffering, the hardship, you know, with the confusion, uh, we, we need tools, we need ways to be with it. Otherwise, we're approaching it 
with the same tightness as um, uh, you know that might be coming along with with a mind that's confused and upset or a heart that um, is hurting. You know, so we need to be able to approach it with something that's bigger and wiser than the actual hurt itself. So one way is with that tenderness, um, compassion practice, that that is um, uh, a really beautiful way to hold struggle when you're in it. And we can revisit that. Uh, We might do a little more of that practice before we leave. Um, There's also a whole series of, of heart practices that we're not getting into today, but they teach them often here. Every month, there's something, some heart practice in this hall that's being offered. So if you feel like, yeah, I really need more of that, it's very available here and in other places teaching like this. Uh, There's also a way to approach difficulty with the mind um, that's a little more strategic um, so that when you hit a wall of something and go, what do I do with this? Uh, I don't know how to be with this. That there's a formula. It's kind of nice sometimes to just have a simple formula to be what, with what's there. And a Dharma teacher, Michelle McDonald, created a formula that has become very popular. Um, uh, and it's an acronym. The acronym is RAIN. How many of you have heard of the acronym RAIN and worked with it? Okay, great. Some of you have. Um, so I'm going to share that with you. We'll go through it. Um, and basically, yeah, this is just a way to simple, you know, simple way of simple formula. It's not always simple once you're in it, but the formula itself is simple to remember. So when you're in those places of real confusion, um, there's some way to to stay present, some way to move towards that difficulty without um, feeling like you're lost in it. But even with that, just to note that that feeling of lost or stuckness, uh, that that is where the practice is. I get excited when, when yogis come up and say, I'm stuck, I'm confused, I'm going through something um, that... I'm not sure how to navigate because I know that that is, um, that is the fuel for transformation if it's done skillfully. I'm not excited for someone suffering, but I'm excited for the possibility of what that is offering when they're approaching it with the practice. Um, Wendell Berry, uh, he writes that it may be that when we no longer know what to do, we have come to our real work at that when we no longer know which way to go, we have come to our real journey. The mind that is not baffled is not employed. The impended stream is the one that sings. That's very much how this, um, this practice often unfolds. So if you find yourself in that place, uh, don't despair. Uh, you might be just on time <laughs> for something really quite wonderful. So I want to take you through RAIN. RAIN is the acronym. Uh, R, 
I'll just go through it and I'll repeat these and we'll work with them so they're more memorable. Um, this is also very Googleable <laughs> when you get home. Um, so uh, R is recognize. To recognize what is here right now. So when you get to that point where it's like, what do I do with this? Recognize what is actually this? What is it that we're calling this? Is it an emotion? What is the emotion? Uh, can you name it? Uh, sometimes it's multiple emotions, so you have to name multiple emotions. Sometimes we don't have the vocabulary for what we're feeling. If that's the case, um, I find choosing a color to be really helpful. It's a way to recognize and identify this is something that's happening a little more concretely, even if we don't have the, the, the emotional language to meet it. So it might be something like, I don't know what it's called, but it feels like blue. I'm experiencing blue right now. And amazingly, that's sometimes enough to just encapsulate it. This is what's happening right now. Sometimes it's a physical sensation. Oh, it's a pain in my knee. Or, you know, it's a headache. That's what's happening right now. Um, sometimes it's thoughts. Those re- really repetitive, sticky ones that you just feel like you're spinning in. Uh, so it can be any of these experiences that are a little on the intense side. R is recognize. This is what it is. Recognize is neutral. So the way that we recognize is important. That it's not, you know, if it's fear that's arising, it's not, oh God, it's fear. Oh God, it's fear. That's not neutral. That's feeding that fear. It's fear recognizing fear, right? The fear of fear. So recognize is neutral. It's more like, this is fear. I'm experiencing fear right now. Okay, so that's important piece. Uh, uh, A is allow. This is the attitude in the mind that we want to have to allow whatever this is to be here, or at least to have the intention. The reason we want to allow it here is not to cause more pain for ourselves, not to cause more discomfort, but it's only through allowing it to be there that we can then start to get to the next step, which is investigate, to really be with it. To really be with it, we have to allow it to be there. And so this is the the mind state that we are striving for, to allow, allowing it to be here. Now, if you're experiencing physical pain and it's overwhelming, so you've come to this point of using RAIN, but you can change it, like you can move, move. (laughs) This is where mindfulness and wisdom come together. If you can alleviate your suffering and, you know, because you're getting to a place of overwhelm, then be wise about it. Move, uh, soothe, do something that is um, an appropriate response to what you're experiencing. Um, But if you can't and there's not, you don't have a way to relieve it in any way, um, then we move into this allow. This is what's happening right now. And I'm ready to be with it. Now, uh, 
one other option here because sometimes we're not here in a meditation hall. Sometimes we're at work. Um, sometimes we are with our kids or, you know, we have some role in which we can't always fully go into something and fully allow. Then we can have the intention to allow later. And we can do what I call shelving it. So not oppressing it like, I'm just never going to deal with this, but knowing I really can't do this right now. Um, I have this other thing I need to attend to first. So I'm just going to shelf it and I'll come back to it if it's still there. (laughs) Sometimes we do that and it just goes away. We're, you know, it's mysterious. Um, Oftentimes when it's this kind of overwhelming, heightened experience, it'll come up again and we can deal with it then if if the time is right. Um, So just know that as an option. You can shelf it if that's what needs to happen. Otherwise, allow. I is investigate. So now we're moving into what is it that we've just recognized? We've given it some kind of label. Why is that? What is it about this that lets me know it's this label? Right? So if it is um, uh, some kind of, uh, let's say, judgmental thinking that is just um, on repeat in your mind and you want to allow to see, okay, what's this? Then um, taking a close look. Like, well, what does this feel like uh, in the mind? How is it affecting my emotions? How does that feel in my body? Is there a tightness? Is there relaxation anywhere? You know, is it being triggered by anything in particular? So we're really investigating here. What is this thing that's happening right now? If it's an emotion, the same thing. Um, you know, oh, anxiety. What do I? What am I calling anxiety? Well, it feels like a tightness here in the chest or in the in the gut. Um, I can feel it in my shoulders are way up here. My breath is way up here. Um, Starting to see if we can map out what this thing is. Not to heighten the experience, but to better understand it. Sometimes when we do this, it makes it a little less personal. It might also alleviate any underlying fear of it. Sometimes we get so caught in a reaction to what, you know, the thing is that we are now recognizing that um, uh, we've made it more severe than maybe it really is. And as we investigate, it starts to break it down a bunch and it's not as scary as we thought it was. It's not as big as we thought it was. Okay, so sometimes investigate works, works that way. It gives the mind more information, which also has an effect on our ability to regulate in our mind, regulating our emotions around it. Um, so investigate can be really helpful as far as just being able to hold it, better understand it, see its patterning. Sometimes we get into investigate, and the moment we start poking around, it starts to dissipate. It kind of loses its ground. It just, we start poking holes in it and it just, 
doesn't have anywhere to be anymore. And so that can happen. That doesn't always happen. That would be nice, but it doesn't always work like that in such a magical way. But sometimes it does. And if it does, let it do that. You don't have to say, oh, wait, 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 I was investigating. <laughs> Come back. Let it go. Let it be. But you'll have, you'll have seen something none, nonetheless um, and learned something from it regardless. So investigate. And then the last piece is N, and that's non-clinging. Uh, sometimes it's said as non-identify, um, but non-clinging is more of the Buddhist um, orientation to reign. So uh, this clinging is that tightness we've talked about. Clinging is also seen in the Buddhist tradition as um, the reason why we suffer. In terms of how this works in the framework of rain, it's referring to how we are um, identifying around uh, whatever it is that has arisen. You know, whatever the, the thought process, the emotion, the physical sensation. Is there some way that we are solidifying our identity around it? So um, if it is, let's say it's chronic pain, really easy to be self-identified with that pain. In fact, if it's something that is um, uh, really overtaking your life, it's really easy to think of yourself as that person with chronic pain. And that is, becomes more of the fullness of who you are in your mind, in your own mind. So noticing how you're identifying with the experience. Are you making it more static than it actually is? Um, emotions are the same thing. I am a depressed person. I'm an anxious person. I am a happy person. None of us are those things all the time. And even chronic pain, part of you is in chronic pain, but not all of you is in chronic pain. There's probably something that you can point to that, you know, isn't in pain all the time. So we're noticing that. Thoughts, how are we identifying and solidifying around these thoughts that are coming in? really easy to do. Is it the totality of who we are? Does it actually have some basis long-term? Is it just some belief that stems to something long ago? Does it really have a basis in our present moment reality? Would others agree with that thought or that that belief about ourselves? So um, all these different ways that we can approach this, this last one. And the idea in the end is, with uh, non-clinging, is to go from that tightness in the mind and heart around it to this relaxing, this letting go process. It's, a, it's come up in this moment. Let it move on the best that you can. If it's something that's chronic, notice the change in that chronic condition, what is actually chronic about it? Is there some way that we have solidified the sensations to be this all the time? That isn't actually true. Is it actually a changing sensation? doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant, but is that unpleasantness, is there some 
flux in it. Um, and can we recognize that and, and use that um, to help us better navigate whatever that is? Does this all make sense? Okay, I know you're tired. We're right at the end. You're doing great. Okay, let's try it. Um, I think that uh, some, some of you have asked if you can lay down, and some of you are, and I think that's great. And you're welcome to if your bodies are really hurting. Um, like I said, if there's some, bring your wisdom <laughs> to your mindfulness. If there's some way that you can be sitting or laying down or standing that um, best supports you for this last sit, which is what this is, please do so. And I'll incorporate some of our uh, tender compassion practice also with this one. Now, usually we use rain when um, there's a very strong experience happening. Remember? So it's when you're not sure what else to do kind of moment. You may not be experiencing that right now. And that's great. You don't need to fabricate one. Just use the tools um, on something that's more subtle. Uh, It could even be a pleasant experience. That's great. You can still use these tools. But try it out anyway, even if you're not going through a difficult, um, strong experience, just so that you have this now in your memory of how to use it. And then when you do have an experience you can apply this to, you'll have a better sense of how to navigate with rain. Okay. All right. So you can choose to keep your eyes open or closed. We're going to ground into this meditation with our deeper breaths. Breathe in a way that supports your energy level right now. Focusing on the in-breath if you're sleepy, the out-breath if you need more relaxation and grounding. And then when you're ready, letting the breath be easy and natural and bring your attention to the areas of the body, making contact with the chair, the cushion, or the floor. You're laying down. You can feel the whole backside of your body being supported by the ground here.
And then bring your attention either to if you're if you're experiencing some kind of strong thought process, emotion, or body sensation, you can bring your attention to it and begin the RAIN process with recognize. If you're not having a strong experience like that, then finding the most predominant experience, whether it's the breath or some other subtle emotion, just a bit of a busy mind or even what it's like to investigate a sleepy mind. Or if there's some really nice, pleasant experience happening right now, use that to investigate. That could be really wonderful. Some of you need to be sure to stay on the periphery of your difficult experience. Uh, Some of you have checked in with me about that. So stay just to the periphery and not going to the center of any kind of overwhelming sensation or emotion. Start with recognize. What are you experiencing? Maybe it needs a couple of labels. Maybe you use a color you don't have the language for it. But the recognized process brings it front and center to your attention. Doing so with neutrality, not labeling it with some kind of heightened reactivity, but more very matter of fact, this is what is being experienced right now. And then once it's been recognized, moving more into this attitude of allow, softening into it, noticing if there's any resistance Is there any way to soften that resistance? Doing so very gently. Bringing in that tenderness, compassion if needed. For some it works just to be pragmatic. But this is what's happening, so... You may as well just allow it to be here so you can investigate. If your defense mechanisms are in full force, turn towards them. Turn towards that aversion, that tightness of protection, 
as long as it's not overwhelming. And let yourself recognize that and let that be your experience that you'll use through the process of rain. Even if it's a little subtle, it could be a nice place to work with. Some of you need to take your time with allow, and please do. Others, I imagine you're already in to investigate. So if that's what you're doing, noticing different sensations. It's physical, it might be there might be temperatures involved the spreading of, it, of sensation, pulsating. Getting into the quality of what it is you've labeled or recognized. Notice the Vedana of your experience, whether it's physical, emotional, or mental thought process. If you can approach it from all these different angles, of what is this? Getting as curious as possible, like you've just found some prehistoric specimen and you want to know everything about it. Notice if, as you're investigating, if aspects of what you're paying attention to change or disappear. It might disappear entirely and then you can go back to recognize with whatever else is predominant in your experience. Sometimes with investigate, it does the opposite though. Sometimes it can intensify a little bit. If it's intensifying to the point of overwhelm, then stop. You want to come back into more of a tenderness, compassion practice. It's just a little too triggered. It needs a little more space and time. You don't want to rush it. It's not overwhelming, but it has increased a little bit and you can stay with it, then do. But be really gentle and careful as you stay with it and investigate. And then the non-clinging, non-identify. Notice where is the clinging? Where is that tightness in the mind and in the heart? Is there any? Is there any way you're making what you're experiencing static? Are there pieces you've added by relating to your experience with aversion 
or a wanting for it to be different. Is there some way you can relax into a feeling of letting go of that grip, that tightness? Either just letting the experience be what it is, knowing that it'll change, that it's not the entirety of you, but more of just another arising of experience that's coming through you. And that will morph and be in flux and maybe disappear entirely. Non-clinging. And although maybe you have more time to spend whatever it is that you're working with, I want to move us into um, more of the, the closing of this day. And so I'd like to do a little more of that tenderness, compassion practice. So if you're working with something that is uh, unpleasant or really difficult, then finding where that is uh, being held in the body, putting that gentle, tender hand there, relaying to yourself just how much you care. And maybe you're not going through um, an experience of, of that. And if that's true, you can still take a hand and either put it to your heart or your stomach. You could even put it to your face, like on your cheek, just to feel that that tenderness and care that you have for your well-being overall. Breathe deeply into your hand, feeling that contact on the body, feeling maybe even a little expansion As you breathe in, feeling the body expand, and then as you breathe out, relax. Taking those big, intentional breaths to soothe, to stay present. care for yourself. And you can conclude by bringing in a phrase of compassion, if that's what's needed, if you're going through the difficulty, or just a phrase of care 
general care for yourself. Reminding yourself to hold your your mind or your body, your emotions with compassion. May I treat myself kindly. Reminding yourself uh, of your love for yourself or that you intend to have love for yourself. Or it might be more of a feeling of gratitude. And can continue to breathe deeply. And then in a moment, I'll ring the bell. Opening the eyes, moving, stretching, whatever way feels good. Sitting up if you're laying down. Okay. Well, that was a lot for in one day. Um, a lot of different possibilities, a framework for uh, the beginnings of a practice. Um, this is something that you can certainly do at home. There's a lot of different guides, uh, you know, different ways to keep developing your practice. Um, on online, there's a um, there's an audio resource. Uh, you can also download it as a podcast um, called Dharma Seed. This whole day will be on Dharma Seed, um, and I I think you can just type in the name of the day, Introduction to Insight Meditation, or you can type in my name, Kate Munding, and it will come up. And it's all freely offered. And there are thousands of teachings, different teachers, um, and different um, uh, methods. If there's something particular you're working with, you can type it in, you know, like doubtful thoughts. <laughs> so put that in and see what comes up. Um, there are throughout the Bay Area, assuming that, I'm assuming most of you are living in the Bay Area, um, there are a lot of sitting groups that are offered. Um, and if that's something that you're interested in, I believe on the Spirit Rock website, there's a listing of all the, the current ones. Uh, I leave a group with James Barras in Berkeley every Thursday so if it's me or James or we have a guest teacher, we meet every Thursday throughout the year from 7.30 to 9.30 at the Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. Um, and you're all very freely welcome to come and, and join us. It's a sit and a talk. Um, and then there's other communities like that to support your practice. Sometimes coming and sitting with a community makes it easier than sitting alone. So for some, uh, that's more motivating. And so if that's true, then really seek that out. There's a lot to support you in that. Um, 
And then a home practice is incredibly supportive if you can get it going. Um, using the audio, uh, guided audio recordings on Dharma Seed is one way to do it. Um, or even just sitting quietly, setting a timer if you want to, or not. You know, sometimes the best way to get started is not to have some amount of time that you think you have to sit. Sometimes that in itself becomes self-defeating when you feel like, oh, I just don't have that kind of time, so I'm not going to do it. You know, that often happens. So instead, just having the intention to take up the posture and start there. So it might be that you have a cushion or somewhere to sit on the floor. It might be in a chair or on a couch. It could even be in bed. And your, your intention can just be to take up the posture of meditation, whatever that is for you. And then from there, you might bring your attention in to ground and become more embodied. You might find the breath or sound um, and see how long you stay. Uh, you might surprise yourself. Uh, that's that's how I, I generally recommend it. Some people do really well, though, having a schedule and having a time goal. And if your mind works better like that, then go for it. Um, put it into your schedule. Schedule it out so that you're making that time a priority. Um, finding the space can be tricky. If you have little kids or... Um, pets <laughs> that like to sit on your lap or whatever it is, or you just have a lot of people, a lot of roommates, housemates. So you might have to get creative, finding bits of time that work for you throughout the day, places that are unconventional, like in your car. You know, before you go home from work, you might meditate on the car, in the car. Um, you might put some um, sound-canceling headphones on when you're riding the BART. And um, just don't miss your stop. <laughs> but you could do your practice there on the bus. Um, bathroom <laughs> uh, can be a pretty good place if you're needing privacy and uh, quiet and it's hard to find elsewhere. So just be creative about it. Don't get too hung up on it needing to look a certain way. Um, that can defeat the purpose sometimes. We have some time for questions about the practice or going home with the practice. Uh, so if you, if you have any now, we'll pass the mic around before we do our closing. Hi, I'm Kirk, and I was having a hard time deciding where the line was drawn between being very present and in my body and then having an insight that I started to follow uh-huh. and think about it, still feeling very present, but I would go further and further thinking, wow, if that, then that, and maybe that, uh-huh. and then ultimately decide I had distracted myself. Uh-huh. And I guess my question is about how to navigate that. Mm-hmm. I think you did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not always so clear. Oftentimes what happens is we've cl- crossed the line and that's how we realize, oh, I've, I've left insight. I'm now in just you know, some kind of thought pattern. 
thought train that's not really going in towards any kind of wisdom, <laughs> but just distraction. Um, but yeah, sometimes insight appears, it comes up as a thought. And um, I find that when it's real wisdom that comes in, it feels, uh, it is really present and lands in a certain way that just busy thinking doesn't. It feels different. It's a, uh, it's an intuitive or embodied experience. Um, with that said, with when insights arise, it's nice to then take time to reflect on it and to not to, um, you know, trip yourself up by stumbling into doubt around, wait, was it or wasn't it uh, a real insight and wisdom? But to just better understand, you know, what what was that exactly? Um, it's where having spiritual friends or kalyanamitas, people you can talk with about practice, is really wonderful. Um, and even having a teacher, someone to bounce things off of, you know, did I understand this correct? Because this is what came through. Um, but yeah, in terms of just where that line is, um, you'll become more familiar with it as as time goes on. But I think how you handled that, um, how you recognized it, is usually how that goes. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. Just you notice it and then bring yourself back into the body in some way. So thank you. Anything else? Yeah. Hello. Um, I have um, trouble to be very present, but because the cause for me not being present is the brain fog that I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel. Um, so it seems goes away when I go out for a walk or having lunch, and it's just started when I sit when I started doing the sitting meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it sometimes can can feels like a headache mm-hmm. and and sleepness like bouncing between us all of these. Yeah, and it's a you said whatever experience pleasant or unpleasant or difficult you just bring awareness i feel like i just can't i i'm it's too sleepy i cannot bring awareness to something like that yeah because that because the cause is yeah it looks like the cause is i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's just like even i do the rain um meditation on this part and i mm-hmm. just uh, i just i'm just went blank yeah is it is it there all the time whenever you meditate or just it's happening today? Um, it's just happening today. Okay. And I had enough sleep and I, uh-huh. I, I, I eat a really light lunch, so uh-huh. it's not that. So, yeah, just like a very strange. Uh, yeah. it, but it happens a lot. Like it happens. It does. Because I work in the office so um, in the afternoon or sometimes I feel really tired and I can't focus on the screen time. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens. But today it seems it happens all the time. It happened all the time today. Yeah, when I meditate. <laughs> yeah, that's unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And then, you know, yeah, it is. It's hard when the mind is kind of sink- in that sinking, foggy, can't concentrate. Um, it is. It's hard to 
bring attention to it and stay with it. It's very nature makes it difficult to do. What's it might be helpful just to know um, kind of the anatomy maybe of what's needed to remedy it is more energy, which seems obvious, but. Um, there's sometimes ways we can heighten the energy in our mind and in our body if we, if we first know, okay, recognize this is what's happening in my mind. It feels like this. Um, if we don't have a sense of really why it's there, I don't feel like I really need to sleep. It's just, you know, too, um, it's just foggy in there. Um, so then things like, Meditating with your eyes open and standing up can sometimes be helpful. Breathing um, more deeply the whole time and actually bringing more awareness to the in-breath just to increase that, that um, energy flow up to the mind can be um, really helpful. Um, and sometimes it, our minds are just like that and it's a little mysterious on how they're working. It might be... Um, you know, if you're experiencing this in other places in in your day to day, you know there might be a reason to see your physician and see you know what's going on here. It might be that there's not as much sleep as you think, or yeah, it could be something very simple. Um, and my, and it might be that meditation isn't necessarily the remedy for it. You know, um, but. Uh, I would say um, just to bring as much energy in as you can it might be that walking practice is the way to go, for example, and a more brisk walking practice than a sitting practice while that's happening. Um, and to just do the best that you can in those moments uh, where that comes in. And it is, it's, it's kind of, it's frustrating in a day of practice like this, <laughs> but it happens it certainly happens. I bet you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah. We, I think sometimes if we're striving for a particular experience, um, you know, today, even if you weren't able to focus fully on it, you got to really know that part of your mind today. There was no distractions from it. Um, you got to really be with it. And um, long-term, that might actually be really helpful to be aware of the signs or the symptoms or um, just the feel of what that, that um, particular mind state is like. It's hard for me to say, but, you know, there may be real benefit to just having experienced it today and gotten really intimately um, aware of it. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Hi. I don't know, is this on? It is, it yeah. Is. Okay. We can hear you well. I'm Meredith. Hi, Meredith. Um, I'm, um, do you have some thoughts, perhaps practices, um, about uh, times when I don't feel safe, which is really linked with distrust? Mm-hmm. Um, I have places where I feel very safe, and then... Um, sometimes I don't out and I just keep for me, well, for one, I'll just start it, (laughs) you know, to realize when I'm, um, being very reactive is a big start, but 
I didn't even realize for a while today that that's the general feeling. Mm. But it is general. It's a bunch of things together, but please. Yeah. Is the question how to be with it or how to recognize it? or Both, if you have the time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not a lot of time, but um, safety is really important, the feeling of safety. Um, and we don't always have the privilege of it. And um, so it's something that um, we don't have the choice <laughs> necessarily to feel or not feel um, all the time. Sometimes, though, if we start to notice there's a pattern of, of this and it doesn't make sense in the context, to bring real attention to that. What's going on here? Where is the trigger of this? Because it doesn't make sense in this context. I'm actually, I, I'm looking around, I'm actually really safe here, but there's this fear of danger or whatever it is that's arising. So what's going on here? And, and starting to piece together um, its context. Um, and then other times we feel fear for good reason. And that's also something to be aware of so that we can navigate that um, well. Um, but I, my sense of what you're asking is more of um, the first, uh, uh, that, that sometimes it's arising in contexts that it doesn't really make sense. Is that right? Um, it's in a context where sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it makes sense. So that the calm periods are harder to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's this kind of mm-hmm. um, underlying, um, what's the word? Caution? Yeah. It's not yeah. quite caution, it's something a little more fearful. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, a heightened um, um, vigilance on guard, or something. Being on guard. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I guess... <laughs> Um, in, in short, and you and I, maybe we could talk a little bit afterwards so that we can have more of a conversation about it. But um, uh, I think if you're, if you're um, experiencing a sense of not being safe and it's, um, it makes sense why and you can somehow navigate to find safety, that would be the wise thing to do. So not to spend your time there trying to like feel better about a not safe situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but if you're in a context where, okay, I'm, I'm actually safe, but there is this anxiety kind of underlying feeling of unsettledness, um, come to the, I would hold that like I was talking about, go to the periphery of that not straight to the center of it, but just see where do you feel it in the body, bring your attention to um, the borders of that, and start bringing in a lot of um, metta, um, um, compassion practice, um, these heart practices in to better hold it. And it's through that being able to hold it better and not being, you know, reactive to it, which is the natural response to something like that but to to have kind of a more regulated way of being with it then you can start to bring in something like rain or 
um, more of the insight practice to see what's, what is this? What's going on here? But you won't be able to do that until there's, um, uh, you kind of almost surround it with a sense of safety and care, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's very helpful to um, talk about differentiating a situation where I'm sometimes um, not safe. Yeah. But I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. And and that um, um, sense of lack of safety that just comes up sometimes. Yeah. It's very different. They are different. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... That's the biggest help right now. Okay. Yeah, because I try to relax in a situation where I don't know when it's going to be um, yeah. not safe. It yeah. comes up out of nowhere. Yeah. So, and that really doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so um, thank you for your questions and for participating today. I hope that there was something in today's um, teachings and practices that is useful for you and that you'll be able to carry forward. We'll just take one more minute to dedicate the merit of um, today. And this is steeped in the tradition of Buddhism um, across different lineages to acknowledge that even though we come here for this practice, probably for the benefit of ourselves, um, when we cultivate, cultivate our minds and our hearts in this way, it has a ripple effect that goes out into the world. And it has an effect in the way that we are with the people we're closest to, our loved ones, our friends. It has an effect that goes out to our colleagues. It has an effect that goes out into the communities that we're in. And then I think it has a ripple effect that goes out um, further than we can really comprehend and understand. And so in that spirit, we can dedicate uh, the day of practice together to all beings everywhere, including ourselves. May all beings be happy and find contentment in their lives. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in their minds and in their bodies. May all beings be free. May we all be free. So again, thank you very much. It was lovely spending the day with you, and I hope that our paths cross again and that you continue your practice. Have a good day.